had so much going on this week. We had to do two different episodes of That's What G Said podcast. So this will be the wrestling edition where we get in touch with Chad Cooper and talk about everything going on in the world of wrestling. We get into AEW with their big pay-per-view coming up this weekend. So we start with AEW, then we move to WWE. We recap SmackDown from last week, Raw, and NXT. We preview the next episodes coming up. We spend a lot of time talking everything going on in the world of wrestling with Chad Cooper. Then Andrew Champagne joins for the old wrestling rewatch, WrestleMania 11. One of the all-time worst. It was bad. But sometimes the bad shows are the most fun to discuss, to dissect, to break down. Andrew joins me for the match-by-match recap. LT and Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event. You also had Shawn Michaels versus Diesel for the title. And you had Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund in a really lackluster match. But we have fun talking about it. A big thanks to Andrew Champagne. So wrestling heavy edition on this portion of that's what G said if you're looking for the racing stuff and the NBA talk we have all of that on the last episode we have NBA talk with Eric we spend an hour going over you know everything happening in the last week or so who's been trending up trending down Dave Handelin from the Timberwolves radio team he's the play-by-play statistician he joins us to talk a little bit about the Wolves and the Lakers game on Friday and how these two teams are trending coming in Dave joins us every year for the full NBA preview so it's fun to talk with him in the middle of the year and, and check in and see how things are going and we also had a lot of racing coverage on that last episode we had David Aragona from Timeform US from DRF. He helped us with the the Aqueduct Stakes races. It's the Gotham, and there are three stakes races over there. We talked all about those. We had Barry Spears join us to talk about the Gulfstream Stakes races. We had Emily Gullickson join us to talk about the Santa Anita Stakes races. So that's why we had so much. We had to split it up into two. This one is going to be all wrestling, and we'll get right into that right now with Chad Cooper on This Week in Wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. It's funny, Chad, I get so used to talking to you every week. When I don't talk to you for one week, it feels like we haven't talked for a year. You know, we just, like the, the routine is so uh, is so normal. But uh, we've got a big AEW pay-per-view coming up this weekend, Coop. So let's start with AEW. We normally finish up with AEW. We have The Road to Revolution is on uh, Sunday. So Revolution is on Sunday. And I'll run through the card, and then we can go through what happened on AEW Dynamite and talk a little bit about it. MJF versus Brian Danielson in, in the Iron Man match. We've got the Guns versus the Acclaim versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett versus Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen four-way for the tag team championship. Moxley versus Hangman Page in a Texas death match. Samoa Joe versus Wardlow for the uh, TNT championship. Jericho versus Starks. Jericho Appreciation Society is banned from ringside. Jamie Hayter versus Soraya versus Ruby Soho. The Elite versus the House of Black. And Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry. That's the card. Koopa Loop, my man. How you doing? And let's talk some dynamite. Let's talk some dynamite. It kind of feels like that, uh, 
you know, heading into this weekend, I forgot, number one, uh, not forgot, it just seems like AEW doesn't really have a pay-per-view. and There's not a lot of buzz. No, and it's weird that it's on a Sunday because I'm so used to uh, WWE having their events now. Uh, on Saturdays. On Saturdays, so it's kind of a flip-flop here, but um, an interesting card. Um, like, on uh, paper, it's fun. Like, all of these AEW pay-per-views come the time the, the show starts. If you're sitting there live and watching the shows, you're always going to have a great experience, right? The, it, the, it's going to be fun, and the matches will be Solid to very, very good. I just don't, I don't think the, I think this build to this pay-per-view was the worst build they've had to any pay-per-view they've ever had. I agree with that. I really do. On paper, the matches, you not all of them, but majority of them deliver. The build is not there. And I'm, I, I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I'm disappointed in the MJF AEW world title um, run here in the booking here and, uh, you know, stealing this from, uh, I, I, I had the same feeling on, on Twitter after dynamite, it was kind of refreshing not to hear a stupid, these, these promos that MJF, what he was known for, it was kind of refreshing Wednesday night to not really hear one of his heel promos and instead hear from Brian Danielson. And I've kind of flipped the script here, how I turned, uh, for, I popped for Sami Zayn. You're, you're after, the same way now for I, Danielson. I have flipped on MJF, and I'm hoping Brian Danielson wins his title. You know what? I think they may need him to here a little I, bit. I, I just got a feeling that this just hasn't been a very good run at all for MJF. You know what? They did a good job in the last few minutes of Wednesday because sure, I yeah. feel the same Great way that promo. you do right now. Which is what we're how we're supposed to feel, yeah, for the babyface challenger going into a title match, right? There's too many times where we're like, ah, they're not going to win. And right, there were a right. couple key things that Danielson said that I liked. He mentioned the title. He mentioned that he wants to be the champion. Like there are sometimes where you know the babyface isn't going to win, so it's like they don't even want the babyface to talk about winning the title or how much it means to them because it's going to be disappointing when they don't. No, I. I like that. And I kind of like the fact that they only went out there for five minutes. Yeah. It was because yeah. I was looking at the time as, as dynamite's ending and I'm going, Brian Danielson's walking the ring right now with like six, seven minutes left to go in the show. This is weird. And we're, and then MJF comes out, cuts him off and there's like four minutes left to go. And I'm thinking, what is going on now? It worked out fine because Brian Danielson for as much as you may not think he's the greatest promo in the world, he is one of my favorites because he yeah. is so yeah. real. His, yeah. his promos are just genuine and they're real. They kind of remind me a lot of um, like a Bret Hart promo, like mm-hmm. a babyface Bret Hart. You know, nobody was ever going to say Bret Hart was the greatest promo in the world. But when you listen to his babyface promos, he just talked about wanting to win. Um, it was all like real stuff. And that's that's what what, what it is. For Danielson, and I I agree, like, we keep talking about MJF. It's not as if these things are awful, but he was so mega hot, and everything he he did felt like such an A-plus that now when he comes out, it's like, oh, that was like a D-minus or a C. Like, that was fine. I'm, it just doesn't seem as edgier. As as a, he once was, you know. Even last night, we we have to, you know, we'll get to Christian in a second. But 
you know, we hear about that. Then, you know, I, we've pushed the line a little bit with some of these promos in which, you know, they're the edgier promotion. There, There's no hiding that. But it did, feel, it did feel refreshing not to hear from him. And I think if that segment, now I don't know if they were just long on time um, throughout the night and they didn't, they had to cut it short or it was booked for this way. But I, I'm with you. I liked it, and it really didn't give a chance for MJF to kind of clamor a little bit. Now, heading into the match, the main event, um, it's going to be an interesting way they book this. Uh, do you see MJF going over clean, um, wonky, quote-unquote, a Gino-type uh, uh, Yeah, it's, it's, I think there's going to be some wonk in there. Now, like like what you were saying before, you know, we, we were in a, an interesting era when – like Roman Reigns has held a title forever, but we have to remember not every title is supposed to be like that, right? Like not every title reign is supposed to be someone holding the title for years. Plus there are supposed to be titles that flip back and forth. There are supposed to be moments like this where think about it. If you want Brian Danielson to be an AEW champion, you never know how long he has left, right? You, you don't know. Do you, do something along the lines where you hot shot it and then you just have MJF win it back in a few weeks or a month. See, like that that happens in wrestling all the time. Baby faces would beat the heel, win, and then lose it back real quick. The baby faces rarely had long wrong, long runs. Ask Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's all in the chase. You win, you lose it back quickly, and then you chase again. And well, and we have the silly gauntlet type gimmick again for Brian Danielson to to get through to get to this point knowing good and well that that probably wasn't uh he was going to lose any of those matches and, well, and, and then why isn't he selling the, the shoulder injury last sure. night I thought yeah. he had a bad shoulder and, yeah. and I'm sure in the match he would but he should have been out there shoulder taped up because what was unfortunate this storyline started the day after the November pay-per-view that the 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 Wednesday after this thing has been going since November. It's almost um, right around three months. And then we did the entire gauntlet, and that ended like a month ago. Yeah, it's been a and while. So the t- unfortunately, like the timing for all of these matches in the build has just felt a little bit off. Either they've been like too long, or they just threw it all together the other night. There's like no, <laughs> there's like no in between. Um. But realistically, do you see MJF going over and he? Yes, real, realistically, okay. if if I were MJF, I would early on in the match get a chair, beat the crap out of Brian Danielson, sacrifice two like two falls myself just for DQs, and then beat beat a wounded Brian Danielson. There you go. Right, something like that. Um, yeah. I think that's probably the best way you do it. I do think MJF is going to look good in this match. Uh, the like, batch is, the, the, this is probably one of the better ones, if not the better ones that, uh, you know, unfortunately, as you mentioned, you know, before going over the card that these pay-per-views are usually pretty long for AEW. And, and you gonna know you're going to have an hour with this one match right yeah, off the bat. You talk about adrenaline for these these workers that, I mean, you've been to an AEW uh, live event. I have not, but I've been to multiple, multiple WWE shows from WrestleManias to house shows to pay-per-views 
you get an adrenaline rush here and there. And once you dump that adrenaline a couple of times, it's hard to get up. So it's it, it's going to be interesting to see the crowd, how they are when we get to the main event of this. And if he beats him clean or if he works him over with a chair as you book it, uh, does someone get involved? The next person down the line. Uh, does somebody show know, up at the end? Does, right? does somebody show? Is it CM Punk? You know, is it somebody? I, I, I don't know. I doubt it. But. Does it end like, you know, AEW has been known to to have that next challenger get involved in some of these uh, these title picture matches on these big cards. So that that is a, an interesting point in itself. Maybe at the end of the match, we get somebody to walk out who I have no idea. Probably not someone booked on this card already, though. And you wonder, like, is this a match that turns people off from buying off. a pay-per-view? Yeah, sure. Like, I just wonder, is it? Do a lot of people go, oh, you know, there's that hour match on there. I'm just not, uh, uh, you know, it might, like, I, I don't know. Like, I really don't. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, oh, people aren't going to buy it. I'm curious because and I, it, really- and, and again, and it's not, it just that, that type of match no longer see, especially in 2023 when we're swiping up, down, left and right. I mean, that's hard to sit there and watch. You know, in person, Especially, yeah, you don't have a choice because you have a ticket and you're in there. But man, if you're you're watching it online on TV, whatever you're streaming, you go to something else and just follow along on Twitter. That's what I normally do. Yeah, I think I think sometimes you're better off not saying it's going to be an Iron Man match, and then That's the match just point. going That's sixty really minutes because point. you end up getting to that point. And you're you're wait like you you still think at the thirty minute mark or the forty minute mark the match could end on an, right. on a fall. And, and so now you know it's probably not. And, and and here it's like those the moments from like twenty minutes to forty minutes. Like I just rewatched the Brett Sean one for like our old wrestling rewatch, uh-huh. and it just there's so much of the match where the crowd is just like, eh, because they know nothing's going to happen right then, so they have to be smart. And I trust Brian Danielson; he's super smart. Like they have to make sure that they're trying to do more here than just like show that MJF can go an hour. There has to be some creative stuff at the 15-minute mark, at the 25-minute mark, at the 40-minute mark, at the 45-minute mark. They have to have some spots planned. Like, this yeah, match should point. be overbooked. Yeah, Of over, all of the matches that, that we say there's too many bells and whistles, this is a match that's going to need some to carry it, to carry it. And... And there's just like little things throughout the um the rest of the card. Like, okay, the tag team match. I didn't love the fact that the guns beat the acclaimed a few weeks ago. That didn't make sense to me. The yeah. acclaimed are really over. You haven't even really been pushing the guns, but whatever, that's fine. That's the direction they wanted to go in. So why don't you just come back and have a rematch at the pay-per-view? Like, what is the point of adding two other completely random teams into an already built feud and storyline? I, I don't understand this at all. Why not just have the guns versus the acclaimed, and then you can have another match, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett versus Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. The winner becomes the number one contender. Doesn't that make a lot more sense? Yeah, because you had what Cassidy and Danhauser, uh, Danhausen uh, win a battle quali- royal. Quali- qualified for this match. And the Cassidy, last two weeks, Cassidy was double booked. The last, last two night, weeks. Right? You've had battle royals <laughs> to get teams into this match that it shouldn't be in be. this match, that don't yeah. have a storyline or a reason to be in this match. I, you know, I don't – it doesn't I, 
Like it really I, doesn't make any sense at all. You have a feud and then let's just insert two random teams that have nothing to do with the other four or five guys in the feud when you really think about Billy Gunn, the acclaimed, and then the two gun guys. I don't it, it, does, it, it doesn't make the match more appealing. Either. Not at all. I, it's not I, even I, like you put two better No. Like, Dan Housen isn't some five-star worker. It wasn't like you just threw the Young Bucks in this match and now it's going to be better. Yeah, it, this this has to be more of let's just get as many people as we can on this pay-per-view. It's kind of like what Triple H is not doing for WrestleMania, yeah. apparently. You know? Hey, strike that, reverse it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just watched Willy Wonka the other day, too. A little, yeah. uh, uh, and, and, like, you go, we go through the card. Moxley, Hangman Page, that thing will be great. Unfortunately, though, at this point, this is going to be the fourth time these guys are wrestling now. And I tell you what, how, what is the over-under on, on Moxley? Oh, well, on Moxley on bleeding. being busted courts, open. Courts of blood. Somebody, <laughs> the over-under has got to be. This, this has story. to be an inside joke now because. It has to be. He, he wasn't even on the show live. He just cut a promo. And it was a promo where he was bleeding because it was it was after his match from last week. From last week. <laughs> so this is this has gotta be a rib now. Like someone's gotta be like Moxley, we've gotta see if you can bleed every show, every week, every episode. And he's just in the back bleeding because cutting his promo. <laughs> just talking. Um but I mean honestly, between this match is gonna go 30, right? At least. It's got to. So between the You've got an hour and 30 minutes at least between those two matches. Two matches. No, I mean, I I think the best way to go here is probably Hangman Page because I oh, think Hangman Page would be a yeah. good challenger for MJF next. Yeah, you, you have to go. You have to, He you can't have to lose this him. match, I don't no, think. No, Because the best way to go is Hangman Page wins, and then you could probably turn Moxley heel if you want. It looks yeah, like you can do that. Blackpool Combat Club, like, Cla- Claudio and Yuta are are sort of heels now, and I think you can make Moxley. You could have him pretty easily come out and say, "I was here all along. I was the guy," and you guys started cheering for MJF even, and then you started cheering for everyone. Like it's a very easy. Like I've been your guy. I've been here the whole time when everyone was hurt, when everyone, when everything was going on, when fights were happening backstage. I was the guy, and you you turned on me. It's, it's kind of one of those easy, easy promos um, for Moxley to go to, and then he could just be super badass. Um, so you think Page? Com- I think Page comes out of this as I, I, I think Page needs the win definitely a lot more than Moxley. I, I think these type of matches uh, don't hurt Moxley at all. Uh, Page, on the other hand, he's been flopping in the wind. So not only do we book Page to go over, but you have him as the next challenger for MJF. And I think I wouldn't be shocked if Paige just knocks out Moxley. You know, the loser of this is just yeah, like a total. Yeah, it's like a KO. knockout. They're just yeah. KO'd. I, I Samoa Joe and Wardlow. The, the match will be good, and they've already set up, which is sort of weird. They Very had weird. they had a ladder match to set up the challenger for this match next week on Dynamite. So Powerhouse Hobbs won. Which the match was good and there were some crazy things happening, but unfortunately, like, get me a bigger ladder or figure something out dude. so we don't have to have three referees, <laughs> three referees holding the ladder for this dude as he's climbing up to get it. I just, 
Like, I understand the bent ladder because that happens. It's happened in WWE. And I don't want this guy to fall, right? So no. I'm not saying, like, no. get up there and get hurt. But figure something out. You put this that, shit. Do, do you think that was the right guy to win that match? I'm okay with it. They, they've yeah. at least been they've been putting a fresh paint of cone on him. A, a fresh coat of paint, right? I, I, yeah, I, I, and, and, they're, and they're sticking with the bigger guy theme here for Joe and or Wardlow. Wardlow. Yeah. I, do you feel as if Wardlow wins this title? Or I, I wouldn't think that Hobbs wins it. Maybe if Samoa Joe beats Wardlow and then Hobbs goes over on Joe, that's that's about as bad as booking as you can get. I completely unless agree. Hurt. Unless what's, somebody's hurt. What's weird about this, like we said, is that Wardlow's come back. Now they've told they've talked a little bit about his dad and why he had his hair and his beard and everything. Right. But it, but. He already he still lost like clean to yeah. Joe. I don't know how much I care about seeing this match, but it's it, it'll be a good match. Those two guys are both good workers. I, I guess they have to go Wardlow, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah. why did he lose clean? You should have had Joe cheat and be more of a, a heel instead of like, oh, Joe was just a badass wrestler who beat him. I just have I Wardlow winning it all all over it to me. It does. And then you probably have Samoa Joe kind of pushed more to the Ring of Honor side. Yeah. Because he could be a, your Ring of Honor guy. Yeah. You know, that the guy that carries yeah, the they're starting they're starting to do more tapings and putting it on that. Um, the Honor the Club. ROA, yeah, the Honor yeah. Club. Uh, and they're bringing back some of the older, or not older, but some of the names that were there right before it, it they stopped doing it, especially on the women's side of things and showing those matches on Thursday. So, they, you know, I'll give them credit uh, for at least Doing that, I, I still don't like three or four of their matches being on AEW every week. But, um, yeah, you can see Wardlow going over Hobbs um, uh, next week. Um, I, I just, uh, they've missed the boat here on Wardlow. We've said it week in and week out here. Um, but but definitely, if you talk about title changes, uh, I think two of them definitely will change. And this will be one of them. I, I think this has title change written all over it. When Jericho faced Starks a few weeks ago on TV, man, Starks was really over in that yeah. match. He was just coming off the stuff with MJF. And right now, I just think both of these guys are cooled down a little bit. And I have, I, 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 here's the thing. Uh, I, I, honestly, I, I really think highly of both of these guys. I, I, Jericho's been all, you know, in my, my top five or six. All time, um, big Ricky Starks fan. Is this the third match of these guys? I think Starks went over right because. And then he, they had that gauntlet where then he they had even... the gauntlet and he lost in the gauntlet. And he lost. And yep. then the Jericho cut the promo. I, you know what? I still want you. He and tricked I think him. The match he sort of got okay. tricked. Yeah, I, I think the match will be okay. But again, I just don't know what we're getting out of this match for either one of them, whoever goes over. It's again been, feels like we've been in this. Filler. Yeah, forever. And yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, we just got to get in a different direction for both of these guys. The uh, it's got to be Starks that gets the win here. It's got to be like he Jericho just doesn't need this. Um, Jamie Hayter, Soraya, Ruby Soho. So the three way for the AEW Women's World Championship, they had to turn Soraya and Tony Storm because they came in and and things weren't really going great for Soraya. The crowd was more behind Britt Baker and and Jamie Hayter. What I thought was weird, though, so you have <laughs> this, going. you have this triple threat with three these three women. Like, why is Tony Storm in a match on Dynamite? And, like, and losing, just, 
and lose like why not have one of your women in in a showcase match and just have them win to build up going into the match this weekend? Like why are we in the go home show for the pay per view where you're trying to sell the pay per view and get people to buy? You have Jamie Hader, Soraya, Soraya, and Ruby. Why not have just Soraya, Soraya beat Riho? I mean, yeah. why not? Why not just have that? And then after the match, her and Tony are attacking, and then you get Jamie Hader and Ruby come out, and and then you can have the stuff afterwards. Like, why? Why would you have Tony in a match on Dynamite when she's not in this match at all? Like, why? Why are you? I don't want to say wasting. But why are you using those five, seven minutes, whatever, on those two females that have nothing to do with this pay-per-view that you're selling? Couldn't stand the match last night. It was what for what it, it just made no sense for this match, for the pay-per-view. Now, my question is to you, um, does Hater retain? Does she drop it? I, I can tell you right now, I, if, if Ruby Soho wins this title, I would be completely shocked. 100% shocked. Um, me personally, I think due to all the negativity that's been about Soraya, I think they put the title on her. I but, agree. You know, I just think they're, I think Tony Khan is going to stick his tongue out at us and going to say, you know what? She's our champion. We're going with it. And that's what it feels like. It's going to happen on Sunday night. Th- I think this she's going to win. Yeah, I think I so too. too. I, I, I put think it all you could have, I think she's yeah. in that match to beat. See, I think, I think the long term is. Soraya wins, beats Ruby Soho. Yeah. So that way, Jamie Hader doesn't have to get pinned in this match, and that's she can get her rematch. Ruby's or, in or, it. Or, yep. yep. Ru- Ruby's in it just to get the pin. Then you have Jamie versus Soraya sometime soon at a TV show or at what the next one, and the heels cheat to win, and then Britt is eventually the one who beats Soraya back for the title. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You know what? It, 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 and. For all the hell that everyone has given Britt Baker, and we've look, you and I have made it made it very clear from day one. We have been very big fans of hers. We thought the Rockets should have been given on her earlier, though she's not the best in the ring. It doesn't matter. It's like look, a lot of football teams or college basketball or NBA teams don't have to be have the flashiest of wins as long as they win right. and they're popular and they sell a lot of jerseys or merchandise. But you know what? I, I give credit to Britt Baker, man. A lot of people talk a lot of crap about her. She was, she did an interview over the last week or two. And she said, Hey, look, I, you know, personally, I, I, I thought I was pushed too fast and that's what's really happened to me. And, and I appreciate her saying that I don't agree with it. I, I have always had the booking mentality of, of the aspect of this part that you have, if somebody's hot, you go with them then because you just never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right. But I, 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 this is the way I'm booking this match. Exact same with you. She goes over and this has led to a, a big match later this year, this summer at the big pay-per-view, whether it's in Vegas, Chicago, wherever they decide to do it, and Britt Baker gets that title back, and she has the real legitimate run. And then maybe then we we get the fifth or sixth installment of her and Thunder Rosa. If Thunder Rosa ever decides to come back and uh, and wrestle again, I don't I don't know. But there's a couple of title changes on this. I think Wardlow goes over for sure, and I I I, I would put it all all my money on Soraya to win this AEW Women's Title. Then we've got. Months of this uh, 
best of seven series for the trip uh, the trios, trios tag team yeah. titles. We even following that, we had a good storyline with the top flight guys. Sure. And and the young bucks, they beat the young bucks, and there was a tree uh, trios match with AR Fox that was really good. And then four days before the pay per view, when you've had months to build this up. House of Black just attacks the Elite, and that's going to be our match, where we literally haven't heard anybody from the Elite cut any type of promo, and there's been zero buildup whatsoever to this match. Like, why not just do this last week? And at least you could have the Young Bucks come back and cut a promo this week. I don't understand the timing. Doesn't make any sense to me, Chad. No. This is a match that I, I just don't have a lot of interest in it. There'll be some cool moves. You know, it'll be a, it'll be spotty or whatever it is, uh, the term you want to use it. I just, there's really not much interest to here to, to me to see this again. When you look at this card, are, are we wasting Kenny Omega yes. and yes. the Young Bucks right now? Yes, 100%. I mean, both of these, if Kenny was a singles guy and the Young Bucks were a tag, wouldn't both of them feel bigger than the matches? <laughs> like the, the, the MJF title match or the tag team title match, if if they were just inserted in there, I think yeah. we've never had the Kenny Omega babyface run in AEW. Like, why isn't he going after MJF? How come he... We never even have heard any of these guys talk since they've come back. Kenny just went on a podcast with Renee. Um, <laughs> he just went on the Renee Sessions podcast and, and talked a little bit about that. That... They weren't allowed to say anything because of the investigation, like to even the guys backstage, but they've done that on camera too. They were just gone. They show back up. They're, they win the titles. They're in this best of seven. We have not heard any promos from them about anything. They're just basically no. like wrestlers now. Yeah. Yeah. Just 100%. Match. This is, this is honestly, this is 100% new Japan pro wrestling booking right here. Solid match. No, there'll be no, there'll be nothing uh, that you can really nitpick about. But I just look. This is let's let's be honest here, man. This is what we used to complain about during the Vince McMahon era with a lot of these matches on these big pay per views. I remember several WrestleMania matches. I'm not talking about you know the early WrestleManias when. You know, Big John Stud would face Hillbilly Jim or or whatever it was for, uh, for whatever reason. I, I just think it's a waste. I think it's a waste of time, a waste of space, and you're just wanting to put them on to get more. To get it, it just it doesn't really. I'm not going to spend money to see the Bucks and in, in Omega in in a match again that I've already seen involvement in over the last couple of weeks. And there's no story to it. There's no and this build. Trio's title really hasn't done anything for me. I don't have any care for it. it. Like, are they they just holding this trio's title so that way, like, do we get a, which will be fun, but like a Moxley, Claudio, Wheeler, Yuta trio. Okay, cool. Like, give me some, any of these trios is fine. Give me a build, though. Just give me a storyline leading into it. That's all I ask. Some sort of a story. We have Christian and Jungle Boy who have had a story, and I'm not going to critique this as hard because... They've been dealt a bad hand. Christian got hurt. Sure. They were supposed to have a feud and a blow off, and then Christian got hurt, and then they didn't know what to do. They Jungle Boy has just been sort of floating and floundering, and we got the uh, we got the the Jungle Taker <laughs> is what they were calling him. I saw on on Twitter. 
<laughs> the jungle taker is right here. He's, he's, um, but I, with both of these guys, at least there was like emotion. There's a story. There's emotion, yeah. passion, and I care. I kind of care a little bit about seeing them get in the ring and like I, Christian getting some comeuppance. That's all. It's draw. It's yeah. dragged on too long. They've been unlucky, but like at least there's some passion there and there's some reason. I would definitely get. I, I, I'm more invested in this than several of these other matches that are on this card that probably get longer time. Honestly, how long does this match get booked on this pay-per-view? Talking about totals and over and unders, how many minutes does right. this thing get? 12? Think, yeah, my, I was going to guess 10 to 12. Definitely not, probably not 15, but it's something it that should. should. Yeah, you're right. And And that's a little bit of the problem with this week's show, with this week's pay-per-view, is that the, the ring work will always be very good. But, you know, looking through Dynamite and just mentioning one or two more things coming off of Dynamite, it's the second week in a row where we just open up with Orange Cassidy defending a title. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way you want to open up. Back-to-back weeks. Like, and it's the All-Atlantic Championship. It's, it's you want to try to change things up, I think, a little bit here and there. Um, we have... Apparently, Eddie Kingston quit AEW. Did you see that? I did. He, and there, and this is a storyline because you don't show footage of someone quitting if it's not part of the story. And Eddie Kingston's been all over the Ring of Honor tapings. So this has got to be some sort of a, he's pushing his way out of AEW to go to Ring of Honor, right? <laughs> <laughs> because they're they're run by different people and everything, you know? So that um, that's another thing. And... I mean, I think we hit on uh, on most of the uh, the dynamite stuff through through this, but even even little things like so you have this two hour show on dynamite. I think on a go home pay per view, you should probably use that almost as much of that two hours as you can to sell the pay per view, right? To get people, yes. even if it's a few more people to buy your 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 stuff. Like, what? Why do you have Hook and Matt Hardy in a match with? With Stokely, that's got nothing to do with anything at the pay-per-view. Like, why didn't they at least say, okay, now, because of this, Hook gets a match with Stokely, and that's going to be on the kickoff show. Like, they didn't, it, at least I would have thought, okay, it's leading to this week, to something this weekend. Nope, nothing to do with it. And then, poor final thing I have to say, big pay-per-view coming up, another episode of Dynamite. We get like an insert promo from Keith Lee, who's now teamed up with Dustin Rhodes, basically in a rampage only feud. And for Swerve, who we all said, you know, Swerve is like a main heel right now. He could be like a top of the card heel. He's living in rampage world too. And we just don't even see them. And it's like, you forget totally about these guys because they're out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Because that show is, (laughs) we all know is, is, is basically bottom it out. On cable television, it just has two and three hundred thousand viewers. Yeah, and and that's I mean, you're you're a step, and I hate to say this because I do watch Impact every week, but not everyone has access TV apparently, and that their numbers are really really bad. But you're getting close to you're getting close to to really really off the charts, uh, and not in a good way. And the you know we have another. I didn't know the faction name of this group until last night, and I don't even I, I forgot about it. Um, there, there's just so much independently, as you said, 
Look, we. I think, I, I think you said it probably for the first time a couple of months ago, maybe even longer. Because man, it just seems like AEW is just you know it's still new and it's not. I just think they uh, that new car smell isn't there anymore, and no, when we're, it's not. people are turning now. It's not it's the point not. where everything they throw out there is just great. And I mean, it used to remember when the big show was signed and he was going to be on dark or dark elevation and Mark Henry, and we were excited about it. And, and rampage was going to do this. People aren't buying it anymore. They're just not. And it's very obvious in the numbers. Look, social media trends. They are what they are. A majority of people that's, that's trending, uh, that's involved in this trending, Gino, uh, of each uh, especially of stuff you have to pay for, they're probably not watching this. No, and you know, I'm just be honest with you. And it, it was just another weekend where they they piled in half of the show with things that aren't on the pay per view. That's what bugged me. Like your That's casino battle royal, which is a great match, a lot of fun, but nothing to do with this week. Absolutely nothing to do with the pay per view. It's for. Someone who faces this one after the pay-per-view. You have a tag team battle royal two weeks in a row, and neither of those tag teams has even been able to cut a promo no. about the match that they're in. No. Like, and, and I don't understand. Hey, well, here, here's what drives me insane about it all, okay? Because, I, I, of course, I am not a doctor. I don't play one on TV or on social media, but I kind of live a regiment, a, a consistent schedule sure. and not only daily, but weekly. Only thing I've really asked for other than buildups or more of a storyline for AEW. Um, it's just be consistent. And they, it, they just, they can't even, it just seems like they can't put a run together. And I, I, I am now at the decision that they're not going to. This is what it's going to be until they're forced otherwise by uh, their network. network that they're involved in, involved in. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think TBS really cares all that much right now what they're doing. It's a decent number. I would hope they wouldn't. Uh, TBS is not losing money. I don't know any of this contract situation, so I have no clue. But until someone like the USA Network has done in the past, Fox has says, hey, look, we want this guy. We want this gal. Hey, we want this. We want more of this, less of this. I don't think we're going to see a lot of a change. I, th I think the only way they do is if that dynamite really, if you started losing to NXT and I'm then, not, and that ain't a bad thing because NXT is really good. But with all that talent and that payroll, then you've got to make changes. But I don't think they're going to do that right now. So I think this is just going to be our complaint every day. And we're either going to have to deal with it or watch something else, Gino. Yeah, and it was another Dynamite where every segment, everyone felt like they were behind in time. Every yeah. single segment. Because they were, as soon as it finished, they were like, then let's go immediately to the next one. And we did, nothing got to breathe again. And no, after, it, for the last month, those, they've been doing better segments, about that. Yeah, like, and a, Gina, sorry, a lot of those segments were pre-taped, and you could tell. You were just you boom, tell. boom, boom, yeah, right boom, to boom, the boom, next boom. thing, yeah. and there's no, like, a big moment happens. We need to feel it for a few seconds. Otherwise, yeah. you completely forget about it. It's just boom, 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 right on to the next big pay-per-view coming up this week. Let's see if Brian Danielson can get the job done. As we head over to WWE, 
So coming off of a SmackDown last week, we opened up with a, a really fun six-man tag where Imperium gets the win, Gunther, yeah. Kaiser, and Vinci over Madcap Moss, Ricochet, and uh, Braun Strowman. And it looks like from some of the rumors out there that we may be getting a Gunther-McIntyre match at WrestleMania. Um, who knows if Sheamus gets inserted or not, but that that feels like it could be pretty pretty good for both of those guys. Now, didn't we see that match at... Crown jeweled. No, that no. was uh Seamus. That was Seamus okay. Gunther and Drew had the match with Roman. And well, Seamus and Gunther had that banger that was like well, one of the best matches you, of the year. You're gonna you're gonna have banger part two here because I you know I, I've been I thought maybe Gunther, maybe Braun Strowman, we could see something like that uh at WrestleMania, but I, I just man, I, I just can't stop uh you know flapping my gums. Um, over Guther, the dude is just so freaking good, and it's so much better with both of the guys from Imperium because they can lose, but they're really good in the ring. They're kind of like his henchmen, junkie, uh, guys that can get beat up from time, but it's just such a good gimmick and such a good storyline. And what makes it even better, Guther's a hell of a wrestler. And look, I'm telling you right now, Gino, I'm telling you, man, I'm making a prediction. It it may not be next year. I don't know what what they have booked for this guy down the line, but this is this is a WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Absolutely. I mean, if the if the titles were separated, I I would say right now you could put oh, one of them on it. Absolutely. I'm glad you said I, that because if, I, that's what I think. Totally agree. Do you think Braun Ricochet? We we get something out of that. I know we've kind of hinted about it. I would like to, but we keep talking about how Triple H is saying he doesn't want the card. I know jammed with matches. You and and I've actually heard as of now they they haven't made any plans for the Battle no. Royal. No, so, they haven't. And I think we get maybe seven matches each night. Yeah, and we'll probably get a lot of time for each of them. So guys like Ricochet might be on on the cutting board. Yeah, I would love a, I would love a Ray Santos tag team at some point. Oh, dude, that I was, think we're getting. I think what Santos uh, is he turning? It looked like get, he was turning. There was like a mutual respect thing. They gave each other the mask, and and then Dominic comes up and he starts talking <laughs> trash. And, great promo, dude, it was, You guys forgetting I'm Prison Dom. <laughs> it's so good. God, it's so good, man. And um. Do you uh, look? I know it's hard, and I know it's not comparable. Maybe, it, but yeah, I just said it wasn't. But it, I'm going to ask this question. I think you've got enough fire here to. Do you think we can get this heated up to anywhere close to this bloodline storyline with Ray and, and Dominic for WrestleMania? You know, the, I heard somebody mention Vicky Guerrero the other day too. Would really? be sort of know, a funny. I know Buddy Murphy's been popping off on, uh, and so is uh, yeah. And yeah, Friday, you know, yeah. fueling the fire. You know, well, you dated Charlotte, my sister. <laughs> yeah, because no, Charlotte makes the mention. That's it. Later, later on, when uh, when Charlotte and Dominic are having their their standoff, Charlotte says, uh, "I have a Latino man that calls me mommy." You know, oh, and so he good. says he's a lot bigger than you. Uh, you know, it was it was good. Like it I was. actually thought that the two of them in the ring was really good. Yeah. Dominic calls her Queenie. Yeah. And um he said, you know, we're both generational talents that are better than their fathers. And yeah, that was really that was a great line. And you know what? When we first saw Dominic 
you know, we thought, okay, this is cool. He's kind of green, but he's Ray Mysterio's kid. The kid, you got to, whether you like the storyline or not, you've got to give him Dude, this a is ton phenomenal. of credit. Look, how many sons or daughters of legends, there's not very many of them, not just wrestling, but any type of sport have been able to do anything like their parental figure. Not very many, and I, I, I'm not saying Dominic's going to be as good as Rey Mysterio, but man, he's done pretty well over the last year or two where he, where he started really, really green and came out with Ray and the family deal and the sister, you know, and the mom. The kid can can hold his own in a match in the WWE. He, he can, and man, his confidence on the mic right now, you could just see it. Just... It, it. All it takes is just a little, and that's what I've been begging for AEW to just do a little. Find a like way that. to get, this is exactly it. We didn't care about Dominic at all before. I, I didn't at like all. his gear. I thought it was silly. I just thought, oh yeah, hey, he's cool because he's Ray's son. That's and why, now, that's the only reason why I cared about him. And now, man, it just feels so it's different. Just so with, good. It just feels so different with Dom. Um, we have uh, our guy, L.A. Knight. He's back. He cut a promo. And you know what? I don't love him randomly losing. But what I will say, it wasn't like a squash or anything. They no, put on a good, good match. match. Him yeah, and Kofi yeah. had a good match. And it sort of felt like it might be more than just a one-off. Like he maybe have a little TV feud with, with the New Day. Which could be fine for him. They'll have some promos. And it's... It's something for a guy who just needs something, right? That, like, that, that's a good point. And they've been dropping a lot of hints with Big E. I know we've been saying it for a long time, and I have no idea if that guy ever wrestles again. We just don't know. But I, I, I you know, as much as I just didn't like the New Day's run, um, I, I think they're needed on at least TV every week because they're too good to keep off of it. Yeah. I'm mad enough to say that, man. I and, and I'm with you. I, I don't want to see LA Knight losing at all. But if you're gonna lose, lose in a quality match. Yeah, this know? was com- I, this I was a 13 was, minute match. It was it was, it was very like good a for TV and uh, on Friday night SmackDown, a two hour program, not a three hour program on Monday. So they got they some told, time. They told us that Money in the Bank in London, England, sold out Woo! instantly. So that should be a, a ton of fun, and and that's probably where you have a big Gunther match. Oh yeah, uh, also oh, yeah. too. And so we continue with, oh, Natty, Shayna, just a little bit of Twitter trash talk. But what I do like, what it seems like they're happening here as uh, Shayna picks up a win over Natty, they're starting to formulate some tag teams right now on the women's division. It looks like Natty, Tegan, we've got Shayna, Ronda. It looks like on Raw, we may even be getting Chelsea and Carmella. And maybe even Candice and Nikki. So they're yeah. putting these teams together, which is a good thing. If you have all of these uh, female talents that you don't have stories for, we'll put them in a tag team and let's build this women's tag team division a little bit. Right. Um, and, and we saw what happened on Raw. Do you think we get, um, I, you know, where we're headed for WrestleMania? You know, that's pretty obvious. And we'll get, we'll get to Raw in just a second. But do you think, we get involvement with multiple teams in a match, or that's too big of a match with Becky and Lita versus Ronda and Shayna. What do you do with these other tag teams? Do you get them involved in WrestleMania or just keep them on TV feuds and have number one contender type stuff matches for TV? Yeah, you waste the slot on that. 
I don't know. Now, now things, I'm totally man. in between because are we going are we going to have Becky and Lita versus Shayna and Ronda, or are we going Becky, Lita, and Trish versus Damage Control? Six woman. I think, I think that's where we're going. I thought too. we had two matches. Me and too. I thought, man, I just don't. You know, not that Trish can't go. You know, uh, uh, you don't want Trish to work a six or seven minute singles match. You just we we've been there with the Undertaker. And I'm not I don't comparing the two. I'm just talking about bringing older veterans back who don't wrestle every week. I, I don't know you, if Trish versus Bailey like is hot enough of a match as a singles match. Right. So, if you wanted okay. to do like Trish Bailey and then you kept, you know, Rhonda and you had Becky and Lita versus Rhonda and Shayna. And then you just don't have damage control. The other two on the show. I don't. I just, I don't how think, do you leave Rhonda out of WrestleMania? You're right. I'm not, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, hey, WrestleMania needs Rhonda or whatever it is. WrestleMania is where you bring out the big guns. Hell, John Cena's coming back. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't just. I don't. It feels weird. It, it, it just, just does feels... because if you don't leave Ronda out, you would have to put them in a situation where they would. They're going to be in a match with some other tag teams, and you know they're going to win that match to be the number one contender. I don't think we're going to do a number one contender match at WrestleMania. at WrestleMania. I agree. I agree. We have the Firefly Funhouse with Bray Wyatt, which was absolutely <laughs> nuts. I will say. I don't know what is going on and i think <laughs> compared to where they were with bray when he came in when he was so hot to right yeah. now it, he's lost quite a bit of steam this shit, yeah. this shit was nuts man it like, was what? it was very it was very hunter s thompson hunter s thompson fear yes. and loathing in las vegas site <laughs> you know it was, it was very odd. and apparently eric young's voice was used in some of this oh um, really so eli. shout out yeah shout out to eli so we're going to get Bray Wyatt versus Bobby Lashley. We had another uh, video on Monday with Lashley. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to think of this. And Bobby's sort of the same way. He's like, yeah. dude, I don't want any of this magic gimmick crap. So <laughs> At least he's honest. Brock Lesnar <sighs> has had, like, the, the rumors out there are that they didn't know what to do with Brock for Mania. They weren't sure what to do. Um, they threw out Gunther. And then that one didn't get. I wonder if maybe they keep they keep that for you know the London show or one of the bigger shows where they yeah. wanted to have a Brock versus Gunther where it could feel like a bigger match on the card because it yeah. probably wouldn't have been one of the bigger matches on this card. Then no. they said that Brock himself said no to Bray Wyatt. He was like, "Ah, oh, hell no! I ain't doing it. <laughs> I don't Bray. blame me. I ain't doing any of that Bray Wyatt crap." And. Uh, <laughs> And so apparently Vince is high on the um they even pitched Austin versus Lesnar. Austin turned that down. It would have oh, been yeah, too much yeah. for him. They pitched Austin versus Reigns. Austin didn't I there was a reason why they didn't get to that one either. So there were a lot of things thrown out there and we end up with Bray Lashley and Brock Omos. And I just don't know if either of those are going to be good. I don't. Well, here's here let's let's talk Lashley uh, Bray right. Wyatt first. Uh, I don't know if we ever see Bray Wyatt like we once saw Bray Wyatt. And you, you you said something a moment ago about the hotness being gone, and it is. Now, th these Firefly Funhouse gimmick segments 
uh, are bizarre and very clever and very well done. And it's very intriguing. The problem is his gimmicky matches that they've put him in after these things have just not been successful. And you and I both agree that that Mountain Dew Sonic Blast drive in Route 66 for a cola Reese's Pieces red match or whatever lights out match, whatever they did with L- with L.A. Night was just not good. And they probably made a nice chunk of change off of that. And I understand why they did it, but it still sucked. It, it honestly it did. Again, I don't know if Bray's injured, if they're hiding an injury, or if this is the Bray Wyatt we get from going. I don't know. It, does it feel like a waste for, for Lashley more than it feels like a, a waste for Brock? No. Yes. Or well, I mean, do, you do. See, okay, here, here's what I don't agree on this. Okay, we, so we, we normally agree on everything. So you think the Lashley only thing is, is, is that wasted more than Brock? Well, because I think with for Brock, he's so he's usually not involved in like storylines all that much okay. right Brock's sure. kind of got his like attraction stuff and that's sort of how Bray Wyatt is he's kind of like the undertaker you know what I mean like sure. he's not usually involved in everything else going on whereas Bobby Lashley's like a real like I want the title type of guy yeah it's gonna okay. it seems weird to me like if, if you had Brock versus Bray at least you could have been like this is just a random weird thing to put off to the side and maybe you've got Lashley involved in in more more serious stuff now, I just don't think either. I'm not excited about either of these matches right now, and I no, hope no, I, I look, hope I'm and, wrong. And, and, and no, no, and I I'm with you there. I I'm not excited about either one of them. I just have I've never been the biggest Bray Wyatt fan. I've been intrigued by his gimmick from day one, uh, the buzzards, I you know all that stuff. I've had no problems with. I just don't know what happened. It seemed like they jumped the shark right around him and Seth Rollins had the uh, had the feud. And then we started working those red mat, you know, those red light matches. I think that's where I got it confused. Yeah, instead of the lights out or the dark match, the red matches or whatever it was. I do think if if we can get some sort of good match between Lashley and uh, Bray Wyatt. The problem with with Lesnar and Omos is Omos can't really do much of anything. I know. And Lesnar, now what will be what's going to be interesting? He's going to suplex him. Yeah, it's it's see Lesnar throw this guy around. That's the only thing that intrigues me about. How do they work this match? Right, because MVP is involved. You know, uh, it just seems like this this Omos deal. You talk about somebody that's come from out of nowhere and back to being in a match with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. This guy's hit the lottery. I mean, he's not, and this is a problem. It's not even like we're seeing him squash people on TV weekly. No, he's, he's just come out of nowhere anymore. What, he, what, has, he, he doesn't. He's not very good. Yeah. I mean, do you do you think? Okay, let's let's look. I, I know. You know let me say this: his match with Braun at the it at was the better. It was yes. better than we expected it to be. It was basically all it could have been. I just where do you rank him among the big guys? Not like Big Show, but like El Gigante, the Big Cat, uh, some of these other guys. Do you think he's in the top five, top ten of the second tier of the big guys that we've had in, in professional wrestling, or do you think this guy is just way down the list? Yeah, I, I think don't so think- far. I, I think Braun is the, one of the reasons why they had a really good match. I agree. I think he's got to prove it. And and I feel bad because when I hear Omos talk, like he's actually a, a funny guy who's got some personality to him. 
Man, and I'd I don't love know, to see him as a baby face. Me too, and I don't know if they can find a way to bring that out. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, because they, they just get so like I'm a big guy that can't move, yeah, that can't talk. can't talk. Here's my That's manager. Right. I hate it. I hate yeah. it when they do stuff like that. We finished up SmackDown. What's another good segment? And Sammy just said, "Jimmy, you were my guy all along. You've Fantastic. been from day one. You always had my back." And and then you know Jimmy and Jay. Jimmy's you know strong and said, "I'm sorry." It's like for my family. Jay comes down um, in the audience, and there's all this confusion between them, and they're playing this out really slowly. Um, and I Sammy think that's really up, smart, Gino. It is. That's really smart because you could bring KO and we can have brawls throughout the crowd. It's not going to get that same pop at WrestleMania. I don't want to see these guys all together until maybe the 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 lead-in show to the go-home show from WrestleMania. I agree. And I want to see emotional stuff. What they're doing right now on WWE, which is great, they're really um, promoting next week. Stuff and they're really giving a, us a lot a of big, lineups. That's a you know, big raw. That's a big raw show for Monday night. Yeah, we got on SmackDown. We've got Roman Sm- coming back, Liv versus Rhea, Natty and Tegan versus Ronda and Shay and Shayna. So uh, a couple solid there. And then on Monday Night Raw, um, as we move on over to as they promote well, hold on for just next. A second. We also had Cody's uh, Cody's promo on Monday. He said, "You know, I, I'm I'm challenging Roman Reigns for the." The championships and we've yet to meet face to face But you know what on Friday we will You know Cody's yep. on Smackdown this week Did Cody said I'm coming to Smackdown And I will confront him And this and is going to be a big moment For this storyline For this, these this two gonna, yes, Being in the ring at the same time for the first time Over on Monday Night Raw We Were in Grand Rapids Michigan They showed Becky and Lita arriving early and uh, the video, the opening package showed a, a lot from SmackDown um, as the Street Profits make a, an entrance. And we're going to get Street Profits versus Jimmy and Solo right off the bat. Jimmy and Solo pick up the win. And this was good. And we're starting to get a little, like, little something teased more from... From the Street Profits, like you kind of feel a little more aggression here, maybe from Ford, right? Look, I tell you this: if you really wanted, look, we've been calling for Montez to be singles, uh, a singles competition forever, and you—they've been able to do that with the New Day, you know, they have. So it is possible. Do you think we have enough time, or would it really be shooting ourselves in the foot? If if we just can the street profits and had them two guys go at it on WrestleMania in a singles match, or would that just that just Ooh. just not have it at all? Is is it is it too soon? I, do you damage a good thing? You're, you look the new day. Look, you know Kofi was the world champion. We had tag champions. We've had times when Kofi was losing every match, and Xavier and Big E was winning every match. Then Big E was the world champion and. It seemed like Kofi was, uh, you know, king of the ring, or Xavier Woods won king of the ring. Remember, so so we've had that success with teams before. Could they? Can that happen with the Street Profits, or would you rather just split them up and go separate ways now? It, it look, if even if you don't like the Street Profits, um, they're very popular and they sell a lot of merchandise, and we say this occasionally uh, on the podcast. If you sell a lot of merchandise in the WWE, you're going to be on TV a lot. 
There is a show coming out right now with Bianca and um, Montez yeah. That's going to be about them behind the scenes uh, They also um, recorded the Titanic spoof yeah, with Bianca and Montez I like that about the Me too When they go to Hollywood I like these little things I like Me too So I thought that was I thought that was good um, You have Owens comes in Hits a stunner on Jimmy He ends up making the save Great. So that continues along as um, we even got a promo of, of the movie Creed three, and then they um, they had inserts of Edge talking about himself and his comeback, which I thought was really well done. If that you're gonna have to advertise well and promote something, to use your own guys to tie it into them, I thought this was really smart. Yeah, I did too. The I did too. Brock Lesnar on the VIP lounge. This was just kind of weird. Um, <laughs> Brock Brock basically said what we all wanted What we were well, all he asking come out first? It's like it's his show He came out and he took Brock, over <laughs> Yeah Brock comes out and he said MVP you gotta sell me on this match He says sell me on why I should face Omos at Wrestlemania And MVP said you know the giant Can subdue and conquer a beast And he said Lesnar couldn't hit the F5 On Omos As He said I accept your challenge he said, we should have a drink, too. So um, Lesnar pours the good stuff. He's got a, a flask in his pocket. And MJF takes a sip and then spits it out right on his face. <laughs> um, it, was, it wasn't like the smoothest thing. was really good on social it, media the next day when he talked about it. But it was good. That, yeah, the yeah. hillbilly. Now, I will say this. So we've got these matches, especially Brock Omos. You can put this match behind a 30-minute banger. On WrestleMania, and the crowd will be up for it because of Brock Lesnar. As right? soon as he gets him up for the F5, the crowd's going to be right back in it. You're and absolutely he right. Put, he may put him through the table, which is probably which what what I would do. There there needs to be there needs to be some holy cow moments in that match, whether he puts him through the barricade, through the table. But you can get away with this match behind a 30 to 45 minute banger because you know we're going to get two or three matches on each day. Other than the main events that are going to be 30 or 45 minute hell of a matches on WrestleMania. And this match could follow that up. You then got Cody versus Gable. Damn, Gable is just having these great matches with, with everyone out there. This guy is just, he's working himself up to like a massive contract extension. He may not be winning titles or anything, but this dude is just balling right now. He needs to, at some point, get the Zack Ryder IC title yes. win at Mania, yes. where you win it yes. for a day or two or a week, yes. and then you lose it back. But just like a like the career lifetime achievement award sort of a thing for him. Yeah, because I think I think that's where a lot of these guys thrive as the the lovable loser underdogs. And I yep. say that with uh, with nothing but positivity. I think you, these type of guys thrive in, in that environment. In the last few months, this guy's had matches with Cody, with Seth, with Braun Strowman. I mean, you can put him as a babyface or a heel and have him have great matches to set up whoever you want. Like Gable could do this for years on yeah. both sides, just back sure. and forth because he's entertaining on the mic and he's great in the ring. Um, Cody gets the win and that's when he cut his promo and uh, he said, we're going to get a face-to-face this Friday on SmackDown. Um, as you pointed out, we're going to get that face-to-face. Man, it's for a the big f- moment because the crowd, the crowd, there's going to be a couple smart marks in the crowd that's going to start chanting Sammy 
But this is going to be very interesting. Cody, Cody is so good on the microphone. We saw what him and Paul Heyman did a couple of weeks ago when they're involved. This is a monumental moment for this feud, for both of these guys in their careers, because this is something we've never seen before, is Roman and Cody. This, this is going to be big. Judgment Day backstage promo. Dominic calls out his dad. So um, we're going to get that match at Mania. And then Rhea called out Charlotte, who is her opponent at Mania. Finn Balor challenges Finn to a or Finn Balor challenges Edge to a match at WrestleMania. Oh, that'll Damian, be good. So, see, Damian that's, Priest that's is just sort of sitting yeah, in the back like, Shit, yeah. what am I yeah, doing? Yeah, poor Damian. But poor that, Damian. Type, that type of match can go 30 minutes. And that can be a show-stealing match. Absolutely. Like, could absolutely be. So, Otis and Maxime <laughs> Dupree. Is he going to get that contract? Is he going to get that contract? And Monsoir. Uh, Otis has a match a little later on, but Johnny Gargano ends up getting the win in that match, which is good yeah. for Gargano and and, Very good. and for Candice. They both picked up wins on yes. the card. Candice yes. over Piper, Gargano over uh, Otis, and then Damian Priest even sort of had a, a little interaction with Gargano. I don't know if that would be a Mania match, but I could see that being something on TV in the next few weeks, Priest versus Gargano, and that, that could be that really gets fun. Some time. That yeah. gets some time because you got a big man versus little guy. And look, we've talked about Johnny G. We talked about uh, Johnny Wrestling here for the last several weeks. We thought he needed to win that title uh, from Austin Theory. But you know what? He did the next best thing. He had a great showing. And mm-hmm. look, it's kind of like a reset for him. He's look, basically we, starting over now. Look, we crap on WWE a lot about doing bad things to are doing things that don't add up to certain people. But you got to give them credit. They are turning Johnny Wrestling back into Johnny Wrestling before our eyes. And I can tell you what, the little guy versus the big guy in one of those matches at, at Raw, uh, 20 minutes or whatever it is, that's really going to get this the crowd behind this guy again. You know, he had the NXT crowd. He had the indie, indie crowd. Well, he gets Finn this week. And he gets Finn this week. On Raw. This Raw is going to be awesome. We're up. getting we're getting Johnny Wrestling back before us, and I love it because I like the guy. So, Finn versus Edge. We then got Carmella versus Oscar. Oscar picks up the win here, goes nine minutes, and then uh, after the match, Bianca comes out, and I this is this one to me feels, and I, I don't. I, it's going to sound bad saying it this way. Um, like I'm ripping on AEW, but this feels like the way that AEW has built a lot of their matches. They're just not really build in this match right now. You you know that you're going to have two great wrestlers between Asuka and Bianca when you throw them out there, but they haven't really made Asuka a heel. She's just got like a new look. And Bianca has not done anything different. Like it's just, there, there's not really much to this story right now. Hang on, Gino. I got all kind of alarms going off over here. I'm good now. Yeah, sound the alarm. Sound. Um, beep, 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 who, beep, who, who, who used to who used to come out to the who used to come out to the sirens? Uh, oh, um, uh, Saturn was it Saturn? Saturn. That's yeah, it. God, Harry, Harry Saturn. Saturn. Yeah, oh, man. I love those name. sirens. Yeah. They were good. Yeah. They were... He would he would main event. He would main event on uh, uh, WCW uh, Thursday Night Thunder. He would main yeah. event versus versus Hugh Morris. This you know, the rings that. of Saturn. He was one of the very first. Like <laughs> big guys that like the first name guy that Goldberg beat. I remember. I think like Look in that you. one of those. Yeah. So Look good old. You. Good. Where's Moppy? 
Where's Moppy? Remember Moppy? Remember Moppy? Oh, Barry? oh no! Oh, that's good. I just thought I like I hadn't thought of Moppy in in quite some time. Oh, where did you where, pull Moppy from? Oh, where, Barry did you, <laughs> where, did, where did you come up with? That? I have no idea how I, my mind still oh, has. That's why they pay you the big bucks, man. Moppy that was great. There. Man, uh, I haven't. But, it's been uh, years. Anyways, okay, who, who are we talking we about? We keep rolling along, and. We got uh, Candice versus Piper. This was just a short match, and Nikki helps get the win in this match with yeah. uh, with Candice. So, looks like we're trying. We're like leading to a team with Nikki and Candice right now. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know this was a, a very surprising. Uh, I, I wasn't surprised Candice won, but it, it wasn't very long. It was like a three or four minute match, and I thought they were building Piper back up. Oh, I knew what I wa- I knew what I had to say before Perry Saturday came out and inter- interrupted my promo. Okay, the Oscar Bianca number one. I, I thought it was weird that Oscar and Carmella had the match to make Oscar look good, and then we get Carmella versus Bianca. Next week or something like that again. We've already seen that, but look, you you just gave us the Oscar turn at the pay, at Elimination Chamber, right? This is it. This is the Oscar we wanted. Man, in that short time, doesn't it feel like Oscar's a little cold again? Yeah, and it's I do think sometimes something's, not, something's it, missing the boat here. It hurts that she can't connect sometimes with the and sometimes it hurts and sometimes it doesn't matter right like she can't cut a promo to build this match up some of the time that's been fine where she's been really hot and it didn't matter but i don't know there's just something about this that feels a little bit missing right now i agree for these two and um we had the miz talk about how (laughs) he is going to host wrestlemania seth rollins um came out to uh for the miz tv segment and you, you know what? I actually thought this was kind of creative. It was. To do, to do it on the phone. He he beats down Miz. He takes Miz's phone. He calls Logan Paul from Miz's phone. And, Mo, and Logan's <laughs> like, Miz, stop calling me. Oh, it's you. You know, and it's Rollins. And, <laughs> and Rollins is laughing at him. And they're going back and forth. And um, the, I thought that the, like, the look was really good. Like, yeah. they, obviously, they pre-taped the segment. They had sure. to have. Right, sure. because the way that they like, you could see Rollins' hand sort of holding very steady. But yeah, yeah. this was this is like a creative way to build a, a segment nowadays, especially with a guy like Logan Paul, who's all on social media and on his phone and everything. And then right at the end, <laughs> when Austin, when, when Rollins like hangs up, he says, "See you next week, bitch," or something like that. It was <laughs> it was stupid, but it was pretty funny. It made me laugh. And Bob bitch, and he hung up. I just well, two things. Two things out of this. We get Miz hosting WrestleMania. Okay, the Miz is so darn entertaining. Uh, just this alone, maybe the price of admission. This this guy is just really, really good to be kept yes. off of TV. You know, and he could go through night one. He he could be the you know the cocky guy, and then night two he get all kind of stuff gets crapped on him. He can be thrown together in a gimmick match for night two. For something or someone or some sports guy or some, you know, bad bunny esque to come in and work something with Miz. But Paul and, and, and yeah, and Paul and Rollins, we talked about show stealers. Uh, it, 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 this is going to be a must see type match, man. Do you, awesome. now, now, as we talk, could you see McAfee coming in and doing something? Or do you think we've yeah. kind of written him off for now? 
you know, it would he be a Miz thing where him and Miz clash? That's what I was just gonna say. I could see him night two being, being on the show, right? And like just interrupting a Miz segment and getting in a few pops, like yeah, getting in just do a couple of moves after a banger match. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, like I could that. see that. I, I like, like that, that quite a bit quite too. A bit. Um, God, McAfee's great. Yeah, McAfee's great. You know who else is great and, and great? And what I like. I've noticed that they're they're almost on NXT and here they're giving their announcers a little more personality, oh, like okay. they used to with Renee and like they used yeah. to with Mean Gene, right? Like Kathy Kelly interjects now a lot more in like she'll talk back and she'll say, "Well, no, that's not what happened," or she'll she'll make comments and she is gorgeous. Oh my yeah. goodness, she just yeah. looks amazing right now, and and she's you could tell she's. She's got a confidence to um, Austin Theory basically set up the match that we were all expecting. He called out John Cena. He said he already took down Edge, and he said he'll give respect to John Cena next week. So we're assuming that that's going to be the big setup next week when Cena comes to uh to Raw. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, this Raw is, is probably going to do uh, massive ratings, but. You know, we thought that Austin Theory didn't need the title. I, you know, looking at it now, that is, I guess that's why Triple H is a little bit uh, uh, better. You know, Booker than and, you and me, and, right? Than, than, of course, <laughs> me. <laughs> You've got the better ideas of the two. Uh, my track record's not very good. Uh, but it does. It does seem a lot because, yeah, we could see John Cena win that title and spend the next two or three weeks on Raw and lose it to someone else. Because uh, yeah. Would you expect that? You know, Wouldn't it be it, great if Cena won that title and then does the open challenge for like oh, two or three weeks? And Johnny and then, Gargano. That's exactly that's the first guy I was thinking. Johnny or Gargano. Gable or Gable, Gable, like any you know, Johnny Gargano, person, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. That would I would be, love that. I would love that. That would be great because so there next, he is now has has got his place on the roster. He he. I'm not saying he's a top guy. But you got to admit, he is one of the top hills in WWE right now, especially on Raw. Hands down. And if Roman Reigns hey. is gone, you can, and you open up these two titles again, you can absolutely elevate this guy up to a title contender, at the yes. very least, for a main event title. No doubt about it. And next week, Kevin Owens versus Solo Sokoa. Seth Rollins, Logan Paul face-to-face. Johnny Gargano versus Finn Balor. Bianca Bel- uh, Belair versus Carmella. And John Cena returns. That is a good lineup for Monday Night Raw. We finished Raw with Becky and Lita getting the win for the Tag Team Championship because of Trish. Trish comes down. The Trish kick to Becky or to Bailey to help um, prevent interference. And they get the win and new Tag Team Champions. So we will probably get... Six woman? I guess it's, it's, it's either the six woman or... Do they do like a Bailey versus Trish one on one? I don't know. I don't know either. I guess they're not bad options to have. I just don't feel like right now, if Bailey was a heel champion, I would be fine with that. Totally fine with bringing Trish in. I don't know if Bailey right now she's felt a little colder, colder the last little bit. I don't know if a Bailey Trish singles match does it as much as Bailey or having Trish and Lita on a team with Becky is just kind of a cool. We got, you know, three of the greatest women of all time on a team themselves. That could be kind of fun just to promote that and to put their pictures up 
for WrestleMania. It that that would feel like a WrestleMania thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was a uh, that was Monday Night Raw as we led to a very good edition of NXT on Tuesday. We opened up with the North American Championship Open Challenge. Man, Wesley, this has done great for him. This gimmick. He is over right now. He feels like a big star. And I cannot wait for the Wesley versus Carmelo match that we are going to get in a few months for the title. We've got it already in some of the like ladder matches and in some of the multi-man matches. But just a, a full-on Carmelo-Wesley one-on-one feud. Those guys in the ring can have an absolutely incredible match. And this match to start was great. We haven't seen Nathan Frazier for a few months. This thing goes 13 minutes. And every one of these matches Wesley is having are just banger after banger. Yeah, and didn't Car- uh, Carmelo, didn't he, he, he headlined NXT. So they bookend that show. Uh, yep. Yeah, that show. Um, you know, I saw a lot of people complaining uh, about a couple of things NXT to nitpick that Frazier's been gone for a while and he comes back and, and he loses again. When you're in a meaningful match, I don't think it matters. I just said that earlier. He's losing to like the second most, uh, like the second most over guy on the show. Like the the second highest baby face. If you're going to come back and they say, hey, yeah, Gina, we're putting you in a match tonight. It's been the first time since you've been back for for two months. You're going to go two minutes with with, uh, uh, Aubrey Stevens. You're going to go over, okay, in an inner gender. Or do you say, hey, man, you're coming back. And you and Wesley are going to hook up for right now. We've got you scheduled for 15 minutes. You're going to kick off the show on the USA Network. Uh, go out hello? there and, and go out there and, and leave it all out on the line. Leave it all sure. out, brother. Welcome sure. back. Sure. And you hello? know, the great, the great thing about someone like Wesley, too, is like, you're going to get yours. This isn't a selfish dude that's no, going to go out there and like, not. hey, I'm, I'm getting all of my stuff. He wants to make you look good. He's a baby yeah. face that wants to come back and build that baby face fire. Really good start to the show with these two guys. Man, I thought the J.D. McDonough thing with his eye, that was awesome. It yeah. scared the shit out of me. Like I, I really, I, Man, I really like this, dude. Me, I just really do. The eye stuff to me is so, like, creepy, right? Like, people don't like <laughs> having their eyes touched. And when, he, when you see the eye like that, it, it gave me, like, goosebumps watching so it. it th- was it a little bit better when Seth Rollins was taking out eyeballs? Oh, uh, yeah, that's Ray a little Mysterio. better. That was better the eyeball. At, at, they were at, popping at, out. Oh, my God, the eyeballs <laughs> popping out. That was brutal. But, man, McDonough at some point is going to be the champion or yes. the NXT yeah. champion, and he will be a great heel champion. His yeah, it, it, presence this is, is good. Yeah, and I think he's a main roster guy. Not right now, but he's just a main roster guy. He's got the the promos. He's got the, yeah, he's got it there. And look, I, again, I've mentioned this a couple of times. You know, I remember doing a a, a about a thirty or forty five minute interview years ago at, at uh, for uh, WrestleMania in Houston, and I talked to Triple H, and he t- and the one thing that always stood, you know, stood with me. Uh, that what he said I took from that conversation was, man, you can in WWE, WWF, whatever you can, you can have it all in the ring, but if you can't carry your weight on the microphone, I it's, there's it's, so it's few start. people where it's they get over start. that way. Look and look, man, you could be a great on the mic and be an average wrestler in the ring and be a world champion. 
Just yep. like Miz. Miz, yep. Miz is not that very good in the ring. Old just like Hulk Hogan from Dude, the very beginning. Hogan's the worst. Don't get like me the started. beginning. It's Think horrible. about Hogan. You know, like the guy that people talk about as one of the all-time greatest wasn't very good in the ring no, for a lot of his worst. WWF no, run. The worst. He was one of the worst. So uh, the big boot, the Hulk up, the big boot, and the leg drop. That was it, brother. That was <laughs> it, man. McDonough and mm-hmm. Dragonoff. That is oh, like yeah. a, one of the like a weekend WrestleMania match stealer. Yeah, like well, that is going to be one of the ones that weekend. Yeah, that people will be talking about for sure. And then, man, I got to give it up to our guys. Like, we joked a while back about Brook, about Briggs and Brooks and oh, Dunn. I, I, cra- Briggs and I grabbed all over. We, we, were, we would, we like, were... it was it was bad. They it weren't was. really, and we would joke and sing the My Maria. I'm kind of intrigued by their storylines now. Like, yeah. it's a very soap opera stuff. What's and going you know on? What, you know what's going to happen, right? Poor Brooks, I think, is going to get crapped on, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. He's going to, but... It's good. It's been entertaining so far. And uh, we had Hank Walker interviewed backstage and Axiom got involved. Uh, Mackenzie Mitchell is someone that they've been doing the same thing I was talking about with Kathy. Like they yeah. have her. She's like her a person. She's her, like a man. character, not just yeah. like the random she's reporter. She's awesome, she's a, too. Look, look, I, I've always my, my number one for WWE in that department has is Charlie uh, oh, Caruso. Caruso then. Um, but I tell you what, they've got some really great talent now. You look, we thought, hey, we're losing Renee. Man, I'm just telling you, WWE can find some talent. There, there are a lot of, lot of talented people out there that, that would be very good in these roles. And, man, uh, the, all of them have done a superb job. And Mackenzie Mitchell is one of my favorites, man. Uh, on all the shows, SmackDown, Raw, um, NXT. I agree. She's, she's my favorite, man. She's so good at what she does. Her facial expressions – you know, it's just They're like funny. She's like it's cute. not overdone. Yeah. No, you know? it's, I've seen some bad ones before. And WWE's had some bad ones that didn't last back. Well, they feel like her and Kathy both, and these two, they just feel like real and genuine. And I think they understand it. I think they, they know. They you know? do. They get that they're like a cool girl. Like they mm-hmm. know they're like a. They know they're attractive, yeah. but they know that they're cool, so they lean into their goofy personality, which makes you like them more. They're not, like, stuck up or act like they're better than you. They know, hey, we're here talking about wrestling. Like, we're a dork ourselves, you sure. know, and they, sure. they embrace that. And I think NXT's done a really nice job with Indusheer, too. Like, yes. they made this team yes. feel like a big deal. They're never going to go out there and have the best matches in ring, but – Indu Sheer gets a win over uh, Brooks and Jensen, uh, Briggs and Jensen because, you know, they're distracted. Following the match, Jinder cuts a promo, and he challenges for a six-man championship match next week. It's Jinder and Veer and Sangha versus the Creed brothers, and the Creed brothers need to find a partner. So the Creed brothers go backstage. They ask their old partner, Damon Kemp, if he'll join them. They say we needed someone that's slimy and we need someone who's willing to do, you know, anything to win. And he laughs. He says, no way, and, and walks off. And then Braun Breaker, I actually thought this was pretty funny. Uh, Braun Breaker walks in and he's like, I'll help you guys. And, and so uh, Brutus Creed is all pumped. He's like, Julius, look, we got Braun. And, and Julius looks over at Braun. He's like, Dude, you couldn't have walked over here one minute before and yeah, right. saved me from the most embarrassing crap I've ever had to deal. And then they all start laughing at him. It was just kind of genuine. And 
I like I want to see all three of these guys walk out there in their singlets doing some style. Oh, 100%. Stuff. 100%. Like, you know what? I'm looking forward to this match. You know how I feel about gender. Number one, he's a former WWE world. Don't champion. hinder him, man. Don't yeah, hinder look, gender. We're, we're not going to. So let me just put that out there. A reminder, you know, um, that gender is a former WWE world heavyweight champion. Uh, gender looks phenomenal. The dude is in phenomenal shape again. He's been hampered throughout his career with some injuries. Um, this has been a perfect reset spot for him in NXT. And look, hey, yeah, you want to get back on the main roster, whatever it is. But you know these guys and girls are having the time of their life on, on Tuesday nights on TV. This is going to be a fun match. A really fun match. And I'm good. I want to see the Creed brothers get their mojo back. And I think this will be the perfect opportunity for them. I want to see uh, Braun Breaker and the Creed brothers go over and beat the elite for the uh, the trios championship. <laughs> I want to see I want to see in the singlets. I want to see them pulling the singlets down and then doing the ah, like I can't wait. They all bark. Like this team was something that I never knew I needed. No, and all of a sudden no. when when I just saw them backstage, I was like Oh my gosh, I want to see these guys Dude, out and there. You know what? You know, not not joking, not all jokes aside, it kind of makes it, it makes look, Braun, despite being uh uh the champion, he hasn't really been I know where you're going. This puts a over more. This, like this, this is absolutely this I like him with it, it, it. Look, we may just get one match out of it. We probably will. Maybe we will. I don't know. Uh um, but he's more likable in this situation, right? He is. Am I being and, crazy about it? And like, and now even I'm, I'm thinking of things in my head. Like I want to see Julius against Braun at some point. 100%. One-on-one. On, one on one. Yes. And I want Julius to get the win over Braun after Braun has lost the title. And yes. it'll be like a way to elevate Julius up yes. to face um, Carmelo at one of the pay-per-views. Like think about how awesome of a match that would be. You know, just I, I just I just think this is more the personality fits with the Creed brothers because I'm just be honest with you, Braun and really after his debut and we had the you know the NXT uh, 2.0 he's the, bland the Nickelodeon bl- stuff and, and look maybe he was a product of that okay so I I can put but we we since rebranded and he's been in the main events of matches and I haven't really cared much about him. I mean, cared the about matches are always tonight. good. Yeah, but sure. I have no problem. I just say, okay, Braun got the win or whatever, uh, whether it was over JD or, or this person or that person, whoever's been, uh, you know, has kidnapped his dad, uh, the flavor of the week or whatever. But I just think this is a more likable position with him. And he's not in the immediate, hey, I'm putting this title on the line in this match or this match. Yeah, him and gender will be fine or whatever it is, but I just he's much more likable in this situation. This is a very good call by the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. This this was good, man. Like yeah, this, it, was. it was. It was like something really good. But you, I, I was just like you said. It was the first time in a while where I was like laughing at something that Braun was involved in. Yes, because it was he's just so stiff and just like I'm gonna kick your ass, dude. You know. But it was funny. Where you want to see the other side of it. Like I believe that these guys are friends. After 100%. I watched that segment, I was like, these guys probably train together, and now maybe they can bring a little something out of each other. And it it's the, the most positive we probably both felt about Braun just on a little quick segment. And that's how things happen. Like, they're natural. They're not forced. Yeah. Yeah. And, man, uh, what a night for Gigi. 
Oh man, what a she promo! Looked fantastic. She looked different too. She didn't have the same toxic attraction look. And then she spoke about how it was fun being mean for a little while, but she said deep down, I just wanted to survive. And she said, JC, you know everything I've been through, but you don't know what it feels like. She mentioned that her mother abused her, that she was living out of a car, that she just wanted to make it to show her brother that they're better than than people that just get beat on. This was Oh, awesome. uh, that was that was uh that was her best showing of promo wise. And I know she's kind of been the second and third will in inside talking. Toxic attraction because this week she immediately jumped over JC Jane a thousand percent. That's where I was going with this, and that that right there on Tuesday night showed me that she could be one hell of an NXT Women's Champion and a hell of a babyface. Man, I completely agree. That is that is, and I'm not comparing, but I'm just giving you flat or giving me what what that is is what a page gimmick was doing back in the day the becky lynch's and nxt back in the day that it felt like page up. that felt it, like page cutting a did. promo telling us about her family it did it, it, and it's it, real it, it just did and it's real and she talked about abuse uh which is real life that that's not a work that was a complete shoot and i just tell you man uh i know everyone's high on roxy but I've I've always been a fan of Priscilla Kelly, aka Gigi Dolan, and that right there, brother, that was a that was a promo. And you talk about elevation; she got elevated, brother. And think about right now. So she just had a star-making performance. Roxanne is a star and will continue to be a star. She called herself a prodigy, which I love. She says, "I'm a prodigy." I thought that was <laughs> kind of cool. She, uh, um, you've got Tiffany Stratton. Oh man, she looks better aw- and better by the week. Awesome. You've got Saul Ruka. Love her. Who's awesome. And we're not even thinking about Cora Jade, who we thought last year Cora Jade was beating Mandy for the title yes. at Mania. It's like, what are we doing, people? And, and Cora Jade's only like 22 years old. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and Nikita, Nikita, who's out for the whole year. Sure, sure. I mean, this and Zoe, who had a good match against. Miko and I sort of felt bad for Zoe because she's been too. doing such good work, but right lost. now yeah. it's not her time because Zoe was supposed to have a blow off with Nikita right now. Yeah. Like this was supposed to be where Zoe and Nikita probably had a match at at Stand and Deliver to blow off, but we were a little worried about this women's division. I don't know about worried, but when Mandy for a while was in was in control, and we, we just kept didn't getting, know who was the next real challenger. Was like they kept be. throwing Alba Fire. Yeah, her, it just didn't right? stick. It just but, didn't work. Man, you can circle about five of these girls right now. That that ones that we just mentioned, all of them. Any That's of exciting. those girls. That's exciting. They are awesome. And you know what? I think it's been smart. You know, we, I, I don't know all the specifics, why people are off TV, if they're, they're injured, resets. But it's okay to be taken off of TV for a little bit, like Cora Jade. I think that is given time for Roxy. Or Roxanne, that was her, her name on the indie scene. I've seen her work millions of times since she was like 14, 15 years old. I think that's given her time to get – I think she needed to be away from, from Cora. They needed to be off TV from one another. And I just think that it gives these, these ladies opportunities to break away from feuds because when you immediately see Roxanne, you thought, okay, where's Cora? Where's she going to come from and beat her up this time? You know, it didn't yeah. work with the tag team. She turned on her with the titles. It didn't work. Man, yeah, yeah. We we've got a we've got a stacked women's roster on NXT. 
Mako got the win over Zoe. Then uh, Chase, you, there's drama going on. Um, <laughs> and I think we're going to lead to maybe like a Duke versus Chase yeah. at Mania. And the winner, and the winner gets, cha- gets the winner Chase U. It's uh, like the uh, head of Chase U. Yeah, the that's sort of what Duke, of Chase U. Yeah. Duke's trying to like get in there and turn, not turn everyone, but he's he's being nice to everybody else. So that way maybe he'll get a little support there. Um, but man, they... They have some really good stuff set up for uh, for next week coming up. So just a few more things before we get into uh, what next week's show is. They had uh, backstage, they had uh, Wendy Chu getting medical attention in the parking lot. And <laughs> Tiffany Stratton just says, you know, people, just stay out of the parking lot. And that just made me laugh so much. It was so stupid. But she was like. It's so true, though. It was like okay, that was the most basic thing ever, but it just made me. Was it was it Wendy that got attacked by a mystery person? Yeah, I think that's Cora. Yeah, it's got to be Cora. Right, because she's been out for a while and not on TV, and I I think so. I think it's Cora. It would make the most sense if it was her. And uh, Saul Ruka, um, man, she's good. She's got so so much talent. She picks up a win over Electra Lopez. We then had. Pretty deadly. This is sort of weird. I, I thought they were kind of going full baby face. So now not. they're they sort of look like they're kind of tweeners, tweeners. or something. I don't yeah. I don't know, but I, I'm not interested in Gallus very much. I'm not either. I'm just not. It hasn't worked for me. Look, I, NXT's been one of my favorite shows for for a while now, and I I just can't get into them. Sorry, just can't. Do there it. was there was a tweet that they showed of Drew McIntyre's though. Really? Which is kind of interesting, and uh, oh, so yeah, 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 because yeah. he gave pretty war- uh, pretty deadly a warning because he's friends with Gallus. So I wonder if this if this leads to anything at all. Which is it would it, it was interesting that they showed Drew. Maybe you get Drew involved, or even a Drew Sheamus would be a blast if you could have those two guys. Oh yeah, against yeah. one of these teams um, for yeah. uh, for TV coming up. Tiffany Stratton got her win. She did sort of. Um, I, it wasn't like a botch, but when she her moonsault, which is fantastic, she landed yeah. on the legs. Yeah, it looked instead awkward. Of, um, but I mean, it looks great when she does it, and her her like visual in the ring, she feels like a star. She looks yeah. like a star. As uh, Tiffany, probably this the uh, challenger for stand and deliver. Yep. Now, Hank Walker and Axiom, just a quick match that picks up a win for Axiom, and then after the match, they uh they both. Had like a, a respect handshake, but Coop roadblock on Tuesday. Roxanne Perez versus Mako Satamura, JC Jane versus Gigi Dolan, Andre Chase versus Joe Gacy, Braun Breaker and the Creed Brothers versus Indu Sheer, Dijak versus Tony D, and the Grayson Waller effect talk show with Shawn Michaels coming out. What yeah. do you think we're going to do there for Man. Shawn Michaels? Well, we he he's not having another match. I, I think there. I don't there's think just, so. No, I, I just don't think we we he can do it, uh, or do we want it? But I, it, it's that segment alone has intrigued me, because someone that Sean HBK is going to pick to have him work on WrestleMania weekend, and it could be a surprise, and maybe not. I don't know. It could be somebody from the main roster. But I, I don't know, man. This is uh, look these NXT shows, especially they're they're 
their weekend pay-per-views, so to speak, on the Peacock Network or the Peacock app. This Tuesday coming up has one of those tight fills. Now, there's not a lot of big marquee-style matches like a War Games or we're going to do this. But this has a big feel for Tuesday night. This is going to be another one of those events for NXT that's going to raise the bar even higher for for this roster. I love this little brand, man. I love it. Me too, dude. Like, think about the way you open the show with Wesley and Frazier in an awesome match. And then you close the show with Carmelo and Tyler Bate. And, like, those guys are great. They have a really, really good match. And what's nice is it only went, like, 11 minutes because I bet you – they go back to this match in a couple months after Carmelo wins the title and they could go 20 minutes and yeah. even have another level to it. And that's the thing about Tyler Bate right now. You know, you, you Tyler Bate is awesome. He just needs to work on his character and his promos a little bit more. Yes. Yes. And, and like, and he's so young, he'll get there, but you all of a sudden you bring in Tyler Bate, JD McDonough and Dragonoff, and you put them in this division. And now you have like three studs. In the middle of this division that can really help Put on great matches all the time So I'm Coming out of this show I'm really pleased with the women's division The men's division I think the only thing they really need to do is strengthen the tag division A little bit but It, is, lo- a little, it is a little weak It is. A yeah but, but Indu Sheer is a good Imposing heel tag team That yeah. could be fun for a little bit and, and maybe you end up having the Creed brothers Be the ones that, that win in And be the babyface team who knows but I thought this was a really good episode of NXT, Coop. I, I was very pleased coming out of this episode. I just remember when, uh, you know, the the Adam Cole era ended. and uh, We were these, worried. We were worried. And then we rebranded to the NXT 2.0, the Nickelodeon paint, what, in late 2021? I'm wanting to say September, October. I think it was September because it was right around Labor yeah. Day. Um it's been almost, uh, let's see, if we do September, S- September, that's 12, 13, 14, 15. So we're about a year and a half from that. Does it seem that far? And I, I think about five months later or six months later or maybe a year later, we finally got that 2.0 drop. So that was in September of this past year. So, man, we've come a long way since this this relaunch of September 21 where it was like it was brighter in the NX, you know, in the uh, performance center. And then we rebranded again in September 2022, a year later. And man, where it's just come from then. And I think we said it a couple of months ago to see all of these green wrestlers, and a lot of them were. Now, I'm not talking about several of them that, that, that have titles and stuff now, but there's been a lot of green debuts. That NXT has stuck with throughout this time, and to see them get better, they're all seasoned now. You could easily, Gino, dump them, cut them loose, or just put put them in the performance center, or just put them on 205 Live, or just put them on WWE main event, and to never be heard from again. They stuck with them, and guess what? They're main eventing. It's pretty Dude. cool to see, man. It really is. If you're a wrestling fan, that's what you want to see. Um, there, there was a one of those first nights. When Mandy was the champ with Toxic Attraction And they were out there, the three of them Cutting promos We yeah. were like, oh my god, that promo was not good It was no. like really disjointed Train It wreck. didn't connect Do you remember the night that Carmelo and Trick were out there? The same thing We were like, yeah. man what's, what's going on here? Yeah, we're like, damn like These guys got something, you can see it But they are not there yet And boom, they're there They're there <laughs> all, 
all of them are there now. Gigi Jolt, like Gigi and Carmelo were two of the biggest stars on this show. Yeah. And just just a year, a little over a year ago, they weren't ready. But it shows no. you you stick with them, and these could be huge main roster stars for years to come now. And I think they will be. I think I they will too. be, Bar- barring anything that happens, because you never know what happens in the world of, of, of sports. It's just good to see people grow and get better because that's what NXT was. It felt like when when the Cole era was over, you know, Vince McMahon say, hey, look, okay, we're starting over. We're going to be on a network and we're starting over. And we were like, man, this is rough. But they uh, they stuck with they stuck with these guys and girls. And uh, we, you know, when Adam Cole and, and the gang uh, went over to AEW and, we, and they started losing these names. I, I thought NXT was in trouble. I wasn't going to give up on them. But again, long story short, it's just fun to see people prosper in things. I know there's a lot of haters out there and people don't like to see people doing well. I'd love to see AEW just be on the top of their game. Oh, me too. I, 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 it just makes for better. Th- you don't want yeah, you don't want one dominant team in the NFL or, or the NBA. Uh, you know, you just... The more competition, the better. We we just hey, look. If we're going to spend some time watching hours of professional wrestling every week, and then spend two hours every uh, every week talking about wrestling, we want the best of the best. So we don't have anything negative to say. You know, that's all I ask. I know it's a lot. The NXT right now in this period, it feels like it ge- it is giving us the best things from AEW and the best yeah. things from WWE. Yeah, and, and they all show there. up. On NXT, which is kind of cool, like the matches all are builds. They all have a little bit more meaning, but then we still get these really good matches. It's not quite as long with the two hours versus the three hours, so the stuff doesn't drag. It's only the once a right. week too, so these characters kind of still feel fresh. There's a lot of new people coming in and out. I just lots of positives about NXT yeah. right now sure. as we head into Roadblock um, next week. Koopa Loop, my man. Yeah. Thanks again so much. You bet. For uh, for everything and uh, hey, we got some basketball to talk about here over the next couple of weeks. Man. Oh, we do, we do. We're going to be heading into the conference tournaments in March conference Madness. Tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so next week, do you have next week? I'm going to give you some homework. I want a okay. player two for you next week, or maybe a team that you like to win one of their conference tournaments. Yeah, and then I'll give, uh, and I'll then give us a couple of sleepers. Yeah, and then the following week we can talk some uh, some March Madness. The brackets will already be set and uh, yeah, and ready next to Sunday walk. night, right? Yes, Next sir. Sunday. Yeah, and we'll awesome. Set the time. Yeah, and your Houston, oh, your Houston man. team is one of the best teams the in the country. That, here's the only thing that concerns me. It seems like, except for the Houston Astros bet, everything that Mattress Mac has bet on has just you go the other way. And this dude continues to just dump money on the Houston Cougars. They go from like plus eight fifty to plus seven fifty, plus six fifty. If they get a decent draw. I think it would good be a, a good story because the final four is in Houston this year in RG stadium. I, you know, he's had a past and it wasn't very good. And he has some problems at Oklahoma, but Kelvin Sampson, what he was able to do with a dead basketball program that once was storied, despite not ever had not ever winning the NCAA tournament. It had a story passed in the eighties with Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, and even the late 80s and early 90s and mid-90s, you had some really good players come out of there. It's just good to see Houston basketball back on the map. And they're not very flashy, man. They just play good defense. Uh, you know, and, and Well they, coached. 
They're well coached, they're deep, and they're doing it with a lot of Texas and Houston area players, and that's what you like to see. So, But look, March Madness is so fun because it's fun to get these 17-and-a-half-point underdogs winning outright. That's what I like to find. We're going to talk about some college basketball next week with Chad Cooper. Make sure to give him a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Check out everything that he has going. A fantastic photographer out partying a lot of the time too. <laughs> late nights. Yeah, late nights, brother. <laughs> um, I was trying to think um, one of the Ric Flair lines. Um, you know, I'm thinking so many Ric Flair lines right now. Be, be careful. My mother may be listening. I was going to say, getting them girls and making them cry. <laughs> well, Chad Cooper will be here each and every week talking everything going on in the world of wrestling. Thanks so much, buddy. You have a great weekend, and we'll talk soon. Let's get them, Gino. Chad Cooper will be back here next week. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. Big thanks to Koopaloop. And Koopaloop is the man. We'll talk all about that AEW pay-per-view next week. We'll be talking about what happened at Roadblock with NXT and more on the road to WrestleMania. Right now, we head back in time to a WrestleMania. WrestleMania 11 goes down as one of the worst of all times. A bad time period for the WWF. But it's fun to discuss, look back on. What could they have done better? Andrew Champagne joins me. If there's two guys that can be critical, it's us two. We can be critical. And we are of WrestleMania 11. Oh, yeah. Oh, wrestling rewatch. With Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. <laughs> well, it's a WrestleMania season, so we're going to continue with our WrestleMania old wrestling rewatches. Andrew Champagne joins me, and this is one that we have avoided like the plague for quite some time. Uh, we've danced around it. But, Andrew, after completing this one, we're all the way up through WrestleMania's 1 through 14 now. Wow. And- and we've, uh, so with Darren uh, helping me out last week with WrestleMania 12, we talked about the Iron Man match. This week, we're at WrestleMania 11, 1995. So between you, myself, Darren, um, a couple of them were uh, helped with Jason Beam and uh, Danny Kovaloff, some of our, our friends who uh, who were a part of it. But we have, we've hit uh, just about 90 now. I think we're at 88, 89 of these old wrestling rewatches. That doesn't even count. Um, Royal Rumble previews, WrestleMania previews, uh, other racing stuff that you guys have helped me with. Some of the nights that we would normally record. So, or first off, thank you. I know you're coming back from uh, from Hawaii, so you had a nice week. You had a great trip. Let's talk about one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. <laughs> How about that? Hey, look, you're <laughs> saying we're at about 90 of these. I believe 100 is the mandatory uh, syndication payoffs. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm Absolutely. just saying we're you're, this is one of those this is a keep getting them checks episode. You're in it for tenure. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so this was a time period, Andrew, as we get into WrestleMania eleven that was a very down time period, really for wrestling overall, but for WWF at the time, WW, WCW was starting to pick up some steam right now when we were getting ready to get into the Monday Night Wars. That's a little bit after once WC once Nitro begins and we start getting more of the uh, the the back and forth between the talent, but this was not a high period. They tried to make Diesel the next Hulk Hogan, and Kevin Nash, while He's someone that many people will critique. We've always had some positive things to say about him because you've said, you know, he was a smart guy. He he made as much money for as little as possible. And you know what? 
He does have some good matches and some big moments. And we even saw one of his really good matches last week with Darren when he faced The Undertaker at WrestleMania 12 in 96. That's a very good match. The the problem with Diesel and anointing him as the guy, they tried to make him something that he's not. This is very similar to what happened with the Roman Reigns. They kind of tried to make Lex Luger. Everybody had to be Hulk Hogan, that babyface Kind of say your prayers, eat your vitamins And Diesel just didn't fit that mold And when you had him as that guy Carrying the mantle for a while The business just was not very good No, and by the same token That trickled down Through the rest of the card Yep. Because up until 1996 Vince had a real problem Creating new stars mm-hmm. If you look at this You see a lot of names That you're going to recognize You see Lex Luger and the British Bulldog in the opening match. On the face of it, fine. You see Jeff Jarrett and Razor Ramon in an IC title match that's not all bad. On the surface, that seems fine. Then you get into who they had to sacrifice to The Undertaker because they had no one else other than King Kong Bundy. Now, for, for reference, and you will hear me say this a couple of times, I met King Kong Bundy. Young Andrew got choked out by King Kong Bundy (laughs) at an independent wrestling show in Wildwood, New Jersey, and I sold the choke better than half the roster in the locker room. Still have pictures of that. If you find me on Venmo, you will see a picture of that with the person playing the Patriot doing the thumbs up right there. It's a great photo. One of my all-time treasured memories. King Kong Bundy of the 80s, all-time fantastic heel. King Kong Bundy of the 90s, absolutely nothing left. Okay, I got a question, a trivia question for you, just because you were bringing up Bundy. So while we're talking about him, I wanted to ask you this. There was one other guy that faced Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker at WrestleMania, other than King Kong Bundy. Who was the other? Because remember, Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy were WrestleMania 2. That's your main event at WrestleMania 2. Years later, he faces The Undertaker here. Who was the only other person that faced Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker at WrestleMania? Oh, that's a good question. That's right? a really good question. It's yep. Sid, right? Yeah, there you go. Great. There we go. Didn't take you long either. Still, it was, still you, fire. You, you can think about it, you'll hit it. But you start going through a lot of, you know, you, when you want to throw out some others and you start crossing people off the list. And yeah, so um, face two of the all-time greats at WrestleMania. But it, when you look through this, Nothing on the show until you get to the main event. I will say the main event felt like a WrestleMania match with Lawrence Taylor. I don't know if it should have been the main event of the show based on this card. Who knows? But it felt like a WrestleMania match, right? You have a celebrity involvement. There were tons of um, the the pro bowlers there with them. And it it felt like a big deal the way they introduced everyone. But up until that, Andrew, the first six matches on the card, it felt like any, I mean, you could have interchanged this with any random in your house. It just didn't feel big. The matches didn't feel memorable. They, You have Bret Hart in a, a Bob Backlund, I quit. That it's, that's one of Bret Hart's worst matches in a big match, in a big spot. Like Can I songs. commit sacrilege on this program? Yeah. And it's good for me that Darren is not here because I really don't want to have to go against both of you guys on this. This is a horrible Brett match. Oh, it's terrible. It sucked. 
It's just, he, you could see on his face, he didn't like it at all. And what makes it worse, I'm not, I'm not a fan of I quit and last man standings. I don't like them because of the 10 count and you get the referee asking I quit just like this and it ruins the flow of the match. You just don't get any flow. Piper was annoying. Two minutes into the match, he's asking and you just hear the grunts and oh no, I'm out. And it just, uh, Brett has to end the match with a bad looking cross face chicken wing. It wasn't good at all. There, there are some things that we'll get through that are fine. But nothing that we hold up our expectations a little bit more at WrestleMania. It's supposed to be a culmination or something big, and nothing on this show felt big except for that, except for that main event match, which which did feel big. They they gave that yeah. some pomp and circumstance. I'll give them credit for now, that. Now, the, the the Diesel HBK match, it's not bad. It felt like a reasonably big deal. Yeah, and you get some legitimately big celebrities. And listen. If you didn't live through the mid-1990s, there is no way to encapsulate how big a star Pamela Anderson was at this point. That was a legitimate coup mm-hmm. for Vince and for the WWF at the time. Yep. The problem is she very clearly did not want to be there. Didn't and care at all. I don't know if you've seen some of the documentaries that have come out recently about Pamela Anderson and her yes. life and the spotlight. And, and Tommy, the one with uh, well, Sebastian the Stan on Netflix, on, on Netflix or uh, Hulu. Yeah. There's the, that's, yeah, the, uh, yeah. that's the show. Yeah. But there's a Netflix documentary. Doc, there's and, a couple of them out there. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at those documentaries, you see she was a victim in a lot of ways and you see the way she's carrying herself there, and you have to wonder if there was something going on at that point. You just feel bad for her in that entire situation. That match was fine, but there are definite issues with the way that whole match was presented. Now, the main event, we agree, I think that saves it from being a bottom three WrestleMania. It's still comfortably in the bottom 10, but you have what is up until this point Probably the best celebrity wrestling match in the history of celebrity wrestling matches. The only problem is it would be upstaged a little more than a year later by one of the guys at ringside for this match in the other company when Mongo had the match with Kevin Green against Florian Anderson at the Bash. That's a good call. Mind you, this is still a really good match. And Bam Bam Bigelow works his butt off to carry Lawrence Taylor, who clearly cared about what he was doing. You see some celebrities come in and they just walk through for the paycheck. Lawrence Taylor cared about looking reasonably good in the ring. And the result was a fun main event that got treated like a big deal. But man, up until those last two matches, it's rough. We get into... WrestleMania 11, 1995, April the 2nd, we're at the Hartford Civic Center in Hartford. Even the arena, it's it's not like a big, massive arena or something different or anything. They just or didn't have... something with history behind it. I mean, no. WrestleMania 10 was at Madison Square Garden, yeah. which is not a huge venue, no. but you have the history there, and that's what makes it work. Here, you can see they did an event at Times Square leading up to WrestleMania which they held in Hartford. It didn't fit. Now, one thing I do want to mention before we go much further, I've got a real soft spot for the old school WrestleMania theme music that they played the da, 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 da. Isn't that so good? It makes because it feel like a big deal. To, it's great. 
well, they when they used to do the like the WrestleMania report, you know, in the weeks leading up in, when you would watch the show, because I would be watching like superstars and stuff at that time. And I was, you know, eight year old Gino watching and um, that that would be it'd be like Todd Pettengill going through all the matches and they'd say, okay, now we just signed uh, Razor Ramon versus Jeff Jarrett. And they would show you like the buildup for like two minutes. And that song would play the whole time. Just over and over. So you'd be watching a show and that thing would go for 20 minutes. And straight. Your worms into your head. Now, someone on social media put forth one of the greatest tweets in the history of Twitter. They had video of Sami Zayn's dancing phase from a few oh, years yeah. ago, and it fits over the WrestleMania theme so well. If you can find it, it's hilarious. So they did get one thing um, this year. They did get a lot of celebrities involved. They didn't have a very deep roster, and they didn't have a ton of stars. So, hey, let's see if we can hide it the best that we can. Let's get... Like you mentioned, huge celebrity at the time, Pamela Anderson. You got Jenny McCarthy. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was a big deal at that time, oh, too. People he, thought he was going to be the future of Hollywood at this he, point. He was, he was a, a really big deal. Uh, Nick Torturo from NYPD Blue. You also had Salt and Peppa. And then you had Lawrence Taylor and the All Pro team and some legitimate guys. We're talking, you know, Ricky Jackson, Steve McMichael, Ken Norton Jr., Spielman, uh, Reggie White, like legit, legit players. Carl Banks was also a part of that. Uh, that all pro team that they had out there. And I mean, unfor- even down to like the mic issues. Oh, throughout. this didn't feel like a Vince show at all, because it's- if you listen to what Vince talks about, when he talks about live events and his philosophy, he is very much a perfectionist. Nothing can go wrong. The first half hour of this show, the audio is unlistenable. It honestly Looks a lot more like an ECW show than WrestleMania. It, and look, it is ECW like two. did good stuff. That's not a compliment. It feels like you're about a decade earlier. Like yeah. the, one of the early WrestleManias where it's like, oh, those first few matches, they're just sort of working out some of the uh, the the tech issues. But yeah, this was bad. And you could tell that, that was another thing. There weren't even like, – Bam Bam cut a fine one. There wasn't even like a WrestleMania promo or anything like that. We didn't get any of the big promos from anyone, and we'll talk about it too. I think the dynamic of like the big baby face and the heel challenger and sort of that sort of hurts the match a little bit when we get there with Diesel and Sean. But let's start out with the uh, America the Beautiful. And hey, I wanted to even mention the Special Olympian Kathy Huey sang. She did a great job. She was really yeah, good. She did. And uh, so shout out. She was she was awesome there. We kick it off with. Vince and Lawler, they run through the card And first up, it's the Allied Powers The British Bulldog and Lex Luger Versus the Blue Brothers Jacob and Eli Blue With uh, Uncle Zebekiah So Uncle Zebekiah is Dutch Mantel Jacob and Eli Blue are the Harris Brothers You may have remembered them also as Skull and Eight Ball From the the DOA Disciples of Apocalypse They they were really Doing a pretty good job though I, I will say of Like Spoon feeding things to new viewers Because I think Vince was expecting a lot of people Probably tuning in for the LT match That maybe weren't the hardcore wrestling fans And so they even were doing things like What is Wrestlemania? And Wrestlemania means this and that And so I I thought that was good You know, probably helping to educate Some of the, the new viewers for a show like this But this tag match was 
I mean, it, it just it wasn't much. It it goes six and a half minutes here. You have two guys that you you pair them together, and on paper, it looks really good. And they actually had these guys go together for a while until Luger left. They actually were a team all the way up until August the nineteenth, nineteen ninety five. He was on Monday Nitro on in September of nineteen ninety five on that on that first ever Monday Nitro. They did get a match for the tag team titles at uh, an in your house, and they got you know. They got some run and a lot of TV time when I was just looking at their cage match database between now and August. And man, you could tell at the end of this match, Vince was saying like, man, this is a, a gr- uh, they're going to be teaming together a great deal more. They're going to be a team for a long, long time. And I think we saw them together on one more pay-per-view, maybe, you know, and like on TV a few more times. But it just sort of spelled the end for Luger. and. Bulldog's gonna get a a heel turn not long after this and sort of be part of Camp Cornette for a while, but you can understand why they did this. This match isn't isn't honestly much of anything. Like it's it's what you'd expect. You get a little bit of a spot where the the bigger heels are, you know, working over the baby faces, but that's also the problem is you have two guys that aren't really great at selling either with Luger and Bulldog, and they're both guys that you would probably want as the hot tag guy. So it, the dynamic for that tag team was a little off, but something that maybe a good idea, but Luger wasn't wasn't going to be around long. And this is the type of team that you got to put the belts on right away and just have them be really impressive and run with it. And also, you could tell, even if you weren't somebody that was totally dialed in to WWF at the time, creative had nothing for either guy, and they just sort of jammed it together and thought, oh, this will look good, therefore it'll be good. And it wasn't. It didn't exactly help matters that the tag team division in the mid-90s in WWF was not good. We look at the Blue Brothers, and these were guys who fit a stereotype as the big, bumbling Southern guys that didn't really talk much, that fought dirty, and they actually perfected a technique that we would see a lot about 15 years later, that of twin magic where Vince couldn't tell them apart, so nobody could tell them apart, and they would do the twin switch and try to get wins that way. We would, of course, see that with Bree and Nikki Bella many years later, and it works a lot better when there are good-looking females doing that as opposed to big, awkward guys that can't really do a whole heck of a lot in the ring. Just saying. Now, as far as this match goes, it's six minutes. It's not very good, but I did like the finish, and I did want to shout this out One of the Blue Brothers, again, we can't tell which. If Vince can't tell, neither can we, tries a pile driver in the babyface corner. Bulldog scales to the top rope and gets this beautiful sunset flip to finish. Yeah, it was was good. It was a good finish. Lousy match, really good finish. And you're reminded that when the British Bulldog was motivated, he could really go. And he showed you flashes of that, even in that little 10-minute stretch, because not a lot of guys with that much muscle on their bodies could do that. And I remember as a kid being really excited for this team. Well, just like the pairing of them together. Like you said, they don't have anything going, and you feel like, oh, well, like two like pretty over baby faces. Even Luger, in the, a lot of the, the crowd doesn't really care for like a lot of this match because it just came together. But like Luger was even after he kept getting booked poorly, was still over for a while, 
probably a little bit more than he should have been. Like, I think the crowd still did want something from him. Um, unfortunately, they just didn't connect at this at this point. And the end, it cut a quick little interview after Jim Ross was doing some ringside interviews. This was a a, a period of time where I think Jr. and Gorilla were doing some of that uh, radio WWF a lot. Um, and Jr. didn't call a lot of of this. Vince was still doing a lot of the uh, the main shows, and it was a lot of Vince and um, and Jerry the King Lawler. And I will give Lawler credit. We you know we will give credit and critique to the announcers. Again, he was giving a lot of statistics throughout the night. Which is not very Lawler. He was mentioning prior WrestleManias, people's records, um, prior titles that they'd held. Which, again, I think that was something Vince and him probably sat down and said, let's explain as much as we can. Because, Andrew, there were a ton of reporters and camera people all over the ring. Like, it it was kind of reminiscent of some of those um, Yokozuna matches where they would have... A lot of like the the Japanese paparazzi around what what were quote unquote and um th- I mean it was tons. Shawn Michaels was getting mad a few times. I don't remember seeing many shows like this where they had that ma- that many people stacked outside of the ring. Yeah, it's an old trick. It's a great marketing trick. If mm-hmm. you tell people it matters, they're gonna think it matters. And that was a really cool thing that they did wind up doing. It there were certain parts of this show. Where you could tell they were trying to make it feel like a WrestleMania. He tried sometimes, yeah. And then there were other times where it felt like putting lipstick on a pig. Yes, very much agree. As we then have uh, even even another thing, like not a lot of video packages. No, nope. in this, which was was strange. You would think that maybe you'd want some video packages to help some of the people watching. So that's a little inconsistent with some of the the credit I've been giving them for for how they set it up. And we get right into the IC title match. It's Jeff Jarrett with the roadie. And uh, Jarrett beat Razor back at the Royal Rumble. So they've been feuding for a while. And they had a a fine feud for a lot of this year. And and they had a couple years sort of back and forth involved in in a lot of IC title stuff. And and they both are, are solid to above average workers. And at this time, Scott Hall was still... Like pretty good he could move really really well And whether or not you personally Like Jarrett he's at least An average worker That if you have a nice dance partner Or a well built feud it'll be Fine it won't Necessarily always be the main event or something That should go on last but We had a little promo And again we could barely hear the one two three Kid backstage who spoke for Razor which is kind of weird Razor could cut Fine promos but you have the one, two, three kid there because he's in the corner of Razor and um, Fink, which I, I see in like every time I read a recap that talks about Fink introducing Razor, it says the same thing that I'm thinking, how everybody loves the way that Howard Finkel would do the Razor Ramon. It was awesome. It always get, makes me smile. And we get Jeff Jarrett versus Razor Ramon for the IC title. Pretty quick pace early on. Big clothesline from Raider, uh, Razor. Jarrett goes over the top. Um, Razor hits a big punch. Roll up. G- they're going for a lot of like quick near falls early in the match. Um, lots of one, two counts and up, and then another pin attempt and back and forth. Um, he's already trying to set up for the Razor's edge, but the roadie gets involved. Remember, this is uh, this is the road dog Jesse James, who uh, you know we would see become. 
friends and uh, and part of the faction DX along with the one two three kid. Not long from this, we uh, we have Razor. We're getting a lot of the Vince uh, Vince great what a maneuver lines. Um, Razor goes after Rhodey. Uh, he tosses Jared outside, but then Jeff's in, in control for a, a, a bit. Drop kick, big splash. Um, kind of gets on Razor's neck with like a, a backside splash. Um, now Jared's uh, in control. Big hair whip. Then uh, Razor with the back suplex. The they both go for a, a clothesline and they knock each other out. So they're both out. Everybody's up. Back and forth punches. Razor goes for another pinfall. He hits uh, some of his uh, signature moves here. That big fall away slam, which he did very, very well. Then one, two, three, kid, and the roadie getting involved outside. You have Jarrett's lock in the figure four, and the roadie's helping him. And Razor's able to flip it over. He heads up to the top rope. He hits that big back suplex, which was awesome, but he hurts his knee. On the suplex, he goes for the razor's edge, but in comes the roadie to uh, get a DQ in this match. He goes right after Razor's knee, and then after the match, we get a, a ton of back and forth. Here comes the one, two, three kid with the spin kicks, and we get the uh, the post match shenanigans. But again, Andrew, this was a feud that was continuing, and it all had already been going on for months as Jarrett won the title at the Royal Rumble. So another part where the match is fine. They just don't get to go into the ne- that next gear that would make it from that would take it from an average match to a three to above star match. Yep, precisely. Now you mentioned Jarrett being a decent worker. I'd go a step above that. Yeah. A couple of months after this, he had a match with Shawn Michaels at an in your house event for the Intercontinental title. And it's a five-star match. And Jarrett isn't getting carried. He's more than holding up his end of the bargain. The issues with Jarrett that a lot of people have have nothing to do with the work rate between the ropes. He's a solid worker with really good psychology. The problem is he was always booked a level or two higher than he should have been. As the late, great Mike Graham said, you knew this line was going to come up. Broke a thousand guitars never drew a dime and that's a harsh but accurate assessment now this match was fine but early on it was marred by some of those issues in production that we were talking about that you don't necessarily expect to see from a vince mcmahon show they try to do it to where razor comes out pummels jarrett jarrett goes out of the ring and then they do the big razor entrance with all the pyro well somebody's timing was way off because razor tries to do the pyro or tries to do his pose. Pyro doesn't go off. He comes out of his pose and then the pyro goes off and he has to like reassume the position he was in. It's just, what are we watching here? We don't, and, and what's, we don't talk about that a lot in these WWE shows because that doesn't happen a lot. No, in these WWE shows smooth. and WWF They're- shows. Yeah, we can complain it, and critique the wrestling and the storylines and stuff, but Vince is a stickler. Even like we said in a show that felt like they mailed in a lot of of things, we could even see him being a stickler about certain things. Like you said, the presentation of the main event, the having a bunch of the the uh, photographers and reporters around, the way that felt. Let's get as many celebrities here as possible, so we'll still get eyes and 
and you know from the 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 mainstream media world. So he was trying in in a lot of the production spots, but yeah, just the the sound, the fireworks, everything a little bit off. Everything. Yeah. Now, as we've said, this match is fine. It's a forgettable match that's about two and a half stars. You don't get the type of finish that you expect from a WrestleMania match. The other thing, though, and I've harped on this a couple of times when we've talked about Razor Ramon in the mid-90s. This guy had a lot of tools that he brought to the table. Good look. Big guy that could move. Everybody drink. Good worker. Yeah. Good talker. The fact that he never got even so much as a cup of coffee at the top level of the company, it's pretty indefensible looking it back is. when you it see really is. what WWF was pushing at and the what time. they had. Yes, what they yeah. what else they had right now. Exactly. And all of a sudden, all you have to do to understand where Scott Hall's mind was at in early 1996 when he was contemplating jumping ship is seeing him on some of these shows looking like a star when outside of Brett undertaker Sean and maybe diesel sometimes who else looked like a star and not a was, lot of people which is weird he was buddies with Sean and diesel yeah it wasn't even like he was a guy that was getting blackballed by them like a lot of guys on the on the roster did guys like a Vader who would come later, even Bam Bam Bigelow, who was supposed to get a bigger Shane push Douglas. following this, you know, and, and, and didn't get the opportunity to. So yeah, I, not, not a, not a great mania overall, not a great feel, but we get ready for the, uh, oh, first we go backstage. So and, this had one of my favorite backstage moments here. Um, this is where Nick Turturro from NYPD Blue is serving as a backstage interviewer. And this is the second time they're trying this sequence because the first time you couldn't hear Nick Turturro. So they bring him in and he starts interviewing Jenny McCarthy. Now, mind you, yes, this is the same Jenny McCarthy that 30 years later is a judge on the masked singer. This is before she went crazy. Okay. Yeah. So they're interviewing her. And in comes Sean and Sid. Sid starts screaming. And mind you, Sid is a large human being, a legitimate six foot nine. Jenny McCarthy is more than a foot shorter than Sid. And Sid is over the top of her screaming. And you just see Jenny McCarthy plug her ears and act like she's in agony trying to, you know, preserve her hearing and preserve what's left of her sanity at that point. I thought that was really funny, and I thought that was probably the best backstage moment we were going to see the whole night. Yeah, um, she she was still not quite as crazy at the moment, uh, but looking very beautiful uh, on this she night. She singled out at this point, right? That yes. was her big thing. Yes, that was it. And the setup next came for the Undertaker match: the Undertaker versus King Kong Bundy. Now, keep in mind. King Kong Bunny was part of the corporation, the Million Dollar Corporation, managed by Ted DiBiase. Undertaker began a feud with Ted DiBiase around Ju- like June, July of 1994. Remember, DiBiase was already was after the Undertaker um, in the match at Ro- uh, Royal Rumble lost to Yokozuna in the casket match, and he went up. Um, the Undertaker was gone for a lot of 94. He was hurt. So we didn't see him at WrestleMania. 
and he did, and then he returned in the SummerSlam match against the fake Undertaker. So for all of this time, the Undertaker is feuding with the corporation and basically just DiBiase guys. He ends up feuding and and having this match with King Kong Bundy. Kama gets involved in the match. And he has a match with Kama at SummerSlam 95 in a casket match. So he ends up basically feuding with DiBiase from like the middle of 94 all the way through and after SummerSlam of 95. All that time period for The Undertaker. And they, uh, Jerry, the King Lawler, tells us it's the fourth WrestleMania for both. And I mean, Bundy charges. We get some. Punches and kicks from the Undertaker He goes old school Early on in this match And when um, You know after about Two or three clotheslines Bundy goes down um, Then um, Undertaker gets knocked over the top but he lands On his feet and then he Grabs the urn crowd pops Pretty big for that Um, he gives It to Paul Bearer he takes it from DiBiase they uh, they had taken the Urn from him King Talks about how um, it, it was pretty funny. He said, "That's not fair." He just took it, which was great. It was like, "Yeah, he just took his his urn back." This this is just not much, Andrew. I mean, this match is only six minutes and thirty seconds a, a, again, and we have Kama comes down to ringside. He kicks Bear Paul Bear. He ends up taking the urn. Undertaker goes after it, but then King Kong Bundy. Has him in control for a little while Kama runs back with the urn Jim Ross goes to interview him And Kama says he's going to melt the urn And turn it into a chain and put that around his neck Clothesline from King Kong Bundy We hit a uh, King Kong Bundy goes for a body slam Then a knee drop He just a really sloppy looking Chin lock Then he hits a splash Undertaker gets up Big boot in the face He does get a body slam And then a leaping clothesline we don't even get at any type of tombstone. It wouldn't have worked, I guess, on Bundy. He wouldn't have been able to get him up. We don't get any kind of a choke slam. Uh, nothing really. I mean, it was that was the pinfall, just a jumping clothesline. And then to make it worse, Bundy no sells it. He kicks out right after three, just kind of rolls out the ring. And it's like you could tell this is not the end of anything. It was so meaningless It honestly just felt like a random match On a Monday Night Raw Yeah, the things I found Most notable about this match Had very little to do with the actual match Gino, you mentioned it The announcers were going crazy Over statistics and whatnot I believe Vince bringing light To the fact that The Undertaker Had not lost at WrestleMania Before this match was mm-hmm. the first on-air mention of, the of what would be known as the streak. Yes. Now, there were a couple other good things about this match. You could see Jerry Lawler twisting the needle into Vince a little bit because they come back before this match, and Lawler, out of nowhere, unprompted, screams, I'm still having audio problems. You know why? Because I can hear you! Just out of absolutely nowhere And you could tell he was doing that Just to stick the needle into Vince And see what he could get away with Also, pretty cool interview at ringside Where you had Todd Pettengill Talking with Neil Anderson Who was the guy that came after Walter Payton For the Chicago Bears Good running back And a guy that could really catch the ball out of the backfield Ahead of his time And you could tell Neil Anderson was into it too He gets down into a three-point stance He talks about the main event 
And that was pretty cool. Again, there were certain things that even most of times WWF did right. This match, though, there just wasn't a lot for Undertaker to do. I You couldn't no. do the choke slam. You couldn't do the tombstone. And we talked about Bundy being heavy, but also Bundy had no neck to begin with. So there wasn't yeah. a whole lot. What are you going to choke? What are you going to choke? Um, it's head slam. And, and, and by <laughs> the way, again, major King Kong Bundy fan as yeah, a just... wrestler, as a person. And by the way, for the fact that his existence was the inspiration for the family and married with children. He actually did a guest spot on that on, show. Yep. Um, yeah. So this, there just wasn't a lot to this, this forget Monday night raw. This felt like whatever the heck the B show was at that time, maybe a superstars match. It was bad. And then this entire thing has been built around the urn, the urn, the urn. So Taker and Paul Bearer get the urn back and then it's gone again. Immediately. You got to have another idea, have another idea. And also you mentioned the long feud with DiBiase. This was a long time for any feud, let alone a feud between one guy that was hurt for most of 1994 and another guy that couldn't take a bump at that point. This was just, it was bad. And this was right before Taker would find himself again as a worker when Mick Foley came in as mankind and there were finally things Taker could do that he couldn't do before. So this was about as bad as it got for the Taker character in the mid nineties, because the match meant nothing. It was a lousy match. You could tell they were sort of going through the motions and Taker was doing what he could, but there just wasn't room for him to do a whole heck of a lot here. We went backstage, Nick Turturro still looking for Pamela Anderson. Um, and he catches up with the NFL all pros. Here's Steve McMichael. He always talked well, you know, I mean, and I will say these guys, most of them, they had just one or two lines in their promos and all they had to do was call out like one member of the, of, you know, the, uh, the million dollar corporation. But for these guys, it was pretty natural. It was was, fun. You could tell they were having fun with it and they wanted to be there. That's half the battle. And all it was was what they would say on the field. Hey, I'm coming after you. I'm coming for you, you know? And so they didn't have to go out and cut these huge promos, but it all felt legit. I, I liked it. I thought, you, like you said, they felt like they wanted, I bet you this group of guys all said, oh, I want to be there. I want to be there. And then, like we see, McMichael ends up becoming a, a wrestler and involved in wrestling. And it was Reggie on commentary. White had a cup of coffee in WCW, too. The less said yeah. about that, the better. Yeah. So... We then move on um, as Nick Torturo is looking through the backstage area. He finds Bob Backlund playing chess with JTT. This, I mean, this wasn't much. They were just sitting there, and Backlund, uh, Backlund uh, is asked, do you know where Pamela Anderson is? And he said, who's Pamela Anderson? And JTT knows, and he said, kids today know everything, but they don't know the stuff that really matters. And he starts asking him, you know, Pretty hard, difficult questions, state, uh, uh, country capitals, and um, random political questions about people in the cabinet. And JTT knows everything, and that just upsets Backlund. So he gets up and he, he, he to he's, be fair, look, Backlund's in ring stuff at this point, he was done. Yeah, his stuff as a character, though, it was it was good. I would argue it's aged well. Yeah, it was good. It was good heel stuff and 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 crazy over the top for Backlund. We now to get to the tag team title match. So Owen 
won a tag team title championship opportunity and he was able to pick anyone that he wanted. It was a surprise partner. He said he was going to pick someone that beat his brother Brett, Yokozuna. And this was really this was pretty good. Like this was I thought one of the high spots on the show, honestly, for me, just sort of in something that was a little better than I remembered. Um, just because Owen's great, the way he's playing this the whole time. He's I'm, this guy beat my brother Brad, and and Yoko comes out and he's he, he's huge, and Cornette's out there with him, and then we have the uh, the smoking guns, Billy Gunn, who's still on TV right now in like a big angle on AEW. May may I point something out here? You know what Billy Gunn really could have used at this point. What's that? Scissors. He could have used oh, yeah. scissors just to cut off his cut mustache and cut and off his mullet. Yes. My God, they look just I was awful. Proud of that the, one. Thank you. Thank the you. smoking gun <laughs> characters here, but th- I thought the match was fine. You know, Owen works a lot of it, and the the guns kind of tag in and out, and they're working pretty quickly. They're not seasoned workers at all at this point, but they're still young and they're at, super athletic and they're trying. And you could tell they were excited. I think to be on this stage um, and to have just a big match here. Yoko gets a tag. He misses a big elbow drop. Um, we uh, we have the guns with a uh, double Russian leg sweep, which was cool, um, and then a double drop kick on Yoko. And Lawler was doing a really good job on commentary. He loves Owen, but he hates Brad. And he talked about how it's his destiny to become a champion. Owen hadn't won any titles up to this point um, in the WWF. We had a, a neck breaker. And then Owen gets tossed into the corner So most of this match, Owen's the one in there And then you get a few back and forth from Yoko Which is exactly how this match should have been worked Um, Ref's not looking and Owen uh, rams Billy's head into the ring post And he says to one fan, I'm a king, you all love me Um, Just playing to the crowd beautifully Um, Owen goes for a drop kick and Yoko's holding on to Billy Gunn, but he moves and he uh, Owen accidentally hits Yoko. Then uh, Bart Gunn comes in for the hot tag, big body slam. Then he knocks down Yoko. Um, they tried to double team him, but Owen pulled down the rope when Bart was running to the ropes, and um, and Bart ends up falling backwards outside of the ring. Yoko gets that big belly to belly suplex. It looked good, and then the bonsai drop. Him, Bart ends up. Hitting Yoko in the back of the head uh, Yoko gives him A big back body drop And Owen gets the hot tag uh, As Yoko is like Struggling to cover him He runs over, he's about to put the sharpshooter in On like the lifeless body of, of Billy Gunn and, and and Owen just decides He's going to cover him And then he, he gets they get the win And immediately following when they get the uh, titles, Owen's celebrating with both of them, jumping up and down, and he like forgets for a minute, like, "Oh crap, Yoko did a lot of this." And then he runs over to Yoko and hands the title to him, and then starts celebrating. I just, I was fixated on a lot of Owen um, before and in around this, and and I didn't really have too much bad to say about this because Yoko, we don't like in longer main event matches, but in little spots. He's a big, impressive dude. So if you're going to keep him to just a few things and let him play his hits and let Owen, you know, do a lot of the the heavy lifting here, I didn't really have a problem with this 10 minutes. Okay, I feel really bad saying what I'm about to say because 
If you watched the WWE icon special that they did on Yokozuna, he comes off as one of the best guys in that entire locker room who had a very unfortunate weight problem that ultimately wound up killing him. But I just can't get into Yoko's stuff. I mean, you look at some of his early stuff and the guy looked like Umaga 20 years before Umaga. That was big, impressive dude that would hit you, hit you hard and move like a cat while doing it. He had some stuff in the dying days of the AWA. And yes, everybody drink with an AWA reference from Andrew. Drink, drink, drink. Uh, he looked like a killer. They bring him to WWF. And for about five minutes, he is that kind of killer with the gimmick that they had. And then he just kept blowing up and blowing up and blowing up to the point where he couldn't do a heck of a lot. And that's why he became a tag guy in this particular spot. Was it the right role for him? Sure. But I watched this match and I genuinely loved everything that Owen and the guns did. They were flying around. Mm -hmm. You could tell Owen was a little bit more seasoned and had a little bit more of a sense yeah. of psychology about things. But the guns were game. They had a couple of really good spots. Early in the match, Gino, I don't know if you saw this. Yoko goes for a body slam on Bart and damn near slams Bart gun on his head. When and he and Yoko had not been around for a while here. No. At this point. No. So he was probably out. He was probably rusty. He was a little out of shape and bigger than normal, too, right? The the more that we would see Yoko from here into 96, the bigger and bigger he got. And he wasn't that 93 Yoko who at the very beginning was really nimble and he was really like we said we didn't even if you don't love his spots he didn't like blow spots for the most part he was he no. was pretty sharp with with his bonsai drop and the big and the and the, the crescent kick you know and he would hit that belly to belly and he had four or five things that he would really do well but he just yeah he wasn't quite as sharp no and there were some things he did that were genuinely impressive he had that belly-to-belly -belly suplex that looked great. And there were guys who worked at that time who said, yeah, Yoko was gigantic, but he took care of people. And while the bonsai drop looked incredibly painful, and while I certainly wouldn't sign up to receive that, I mean, think about it. The guy's a legitimate 600 pounds, and it looks like he's coming right at you with the full force of his rear end. No, thank you. I don't think I want to do that. But... The guy didn't hurt anybody. The guy had some really good matches. He showed up for the main event of WrestleMania 10 with Brett and carried his end of the bargain. This version of Yoko, though, absolutely no buys for me. He fit what they were looking for in that mystery partner type role. But this was about as good as it would get for Yoko moving forward. The rest of his career was sort of a ski slope. And by the time he showed up, at a show that we have not yet reviewed and we absolutely should at some point. I am, of course, referring to Heroes of Wrestling, yeah. where he, by his own admission, was bulking up further to try to be the heaviest professional wrestler in history. His goal weight was between 850 and 900 pounds. It got sad. It got really, really sad. And the unfortunate thing is, looking back, you can sort of see it coming. Yep. 
we will see more of Yoko in the next um, year, year plus. He actually had a couple fun standoffs with Vader when Vader came in and they baby faced him. We actually talked about that yesterday. They've got Mr. Fuji waving the USA flag in the background with a baby face Yokozuna. And it just was like, this is this is a little off. This felt a, yeah. little, a little strange here. But um, Yoko and Owen, the new tag team champs as we have Howard Finkel. Uh, first, we go backstage, and we have Todd Pettengill interviewing Bam Bam Bigelow. And this was solid. This was solid from Bam Bam. They gave him a few minutes. It wasn't anything crazy. He just said, I'm not losing to a guy like you. I'm a wrestler. Um, the Million Dollar Corporation will watch my back if the other guys get involved. You're just a flash in the pl- in the pan. And it was good. You know, Todd talked about the media hype. Is, is Bam Bam going to be able to handle it and his promos were good. Like Bam Bam was supposed to be getting a push after this because he he did really good work and he he we we'll talk about him in a few minutes. Like this was a good night for him. We're we're giving a lot of negatives and a lot of cre- critiques to others, but this was a very good night for Bam Bam Bigelow. Yes, it was, and there were a number of instances where Bam Bam should have been a bigger star than he was when he came into WWF in the late eighties, eighty seven. He was Survivor he Series. Was, he was teaming with Hogan. Yeah, I mean, and he he you, was the you, last you guy. Get a better introduction than that. He was on the Hogan babyface team at Survivor Series, and Hogan got eliminated early in like a DQ or like a countout, something weird. And so Andre's team, the heel team, I think they had like four, either three or four guys remaining. With Bam Bam was left, and Bam Bam eliminates at least one or two before Andre comes in, and and then is the imposing heel. But you could tell. That he was the guy left on the babyface Hogan team, and he was young and up and coming. And then it was '93 again when he had the King of the Ring fin- uh, final with Brett, and he had some really good work there. Um, that was another moment for Bam Bam where it felt like they could have done a little more with him. And then after this, they were going to again. Uh, we'll talk about Bam Bam in just a few. Three matches remain on the card. Howard Finkel. Gets a setup for the next match. It's an I quit match. He tells us that the loser has to say I quit into the microphone. The special referee is Rowdy Roddy Piper. Big, uh, big ovation for him. And here comes Bob Backlund. No theme song. The heel Bob Backlund. He had just won the world title from Bret Hart. Then Backlund loses it to Diesel. He beat Bret because Owen throws in the towel. It wasn't really clean or anything like that. He has a reign for like a a week. Diesel ends up beating him. It was sort of a transition, and I just this is just not good. Jer- what's 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 okay about it is Jerry the King. He's good in the Brett matches because he hates Brett. He hates Brett's family, but he likes Owen. He hates Piper. So Jerry's got a lot going on in this match, which is bad mouth Piper talks about the kilt. He's um you know just laying it on thick. And Piper is so bad throughout this match. He's just asking too much. Um, Lawler tries to stir the pot a little bit. He mentions that Brett beat uh, Piper at WrestleMania 8. I love that he asks Vince, who did Brett Hart beat at WrestleMania 8? Vince says, "Uh, the British Bulldog? Uh, Brent, you booked this. Come on, man. Come on. (laughs) Come on, man. Uh, It's not like it was a throwaway match either It was for the Intercontinental title I know, it was a great match too And he said, oh yeah, you're right, he did It was was Roddy Roddy Piper And we get started here Zero flow in this match whatsoever None I mean, it's just 
Piper keep every time getting in. You quit? No. Um, Brett goes for the sharpshooter, then the figure four. Um, Backlund screaming, ah! Backlund reverses it. Um, we check in with the German announcers for a moment. Brett just keeps working on the leg. Um, Backlund is um, working on the left arm, trying to set up the crossways chicken wing. So there's fine psychology in what they're trying to do. But this, again, was a feud that we were talking about from like 1994, the Survivor Series, and sort of on and through here. It went on too long and it wasn't great. It just wasn't. And the match was so bad. And it's such a bad use of Bret Hart at this time period. Like, how much better would have just like a even I know he's above the IC title, but you can't get Brett involved with Razor somehow, or you know, your the Undertaker is going to be later. We've had a lot of Brett and Owen stuff, so they they're away from that. It just it it was a bad use of Brett for uh, for Backlund here. Backlund gets an armbar in, um, and and he, I mean this match doesn't even go ten minutes. He has an armbar on for two minutes plus. I went back and and and, and like timed it out. So 20 plus percent of this match Is Bob Backlund with a bad arm bar And then Brett comes back Body slam, backbreaker, elbow off the middle rope Puts on the sharpshooter Backlund gets to the ropes um, Brett charges in at him uh, Backlund moves Crowd starts to get into it Towards the end Bob goes for the chicken wing And Brett fights out of it And then he puts in the chicken wing And then he Sits sits down with it and lays down with it And Backlund quit He just sort of said I, I quit Nine minutes and 34 seconds I didn't even hear seconds. I quit It I was just sort of like yeah it was, uh, it was I mean you you don't find any good ratings For this match And I, I'm as big of a Bret Hart fan as there is I, I don't have very many bad things To say about his in-ring work A lot of his wrestling career In WWF WCW, there's plenty of bad things to say there, but this is by far the worst Bret Hart match we have ever reviewed, and and this is probably like the worst major mainstream Bret Hart match on a pay per view that I can ever remember. Just thinking about from the time he became a singles a singles wrestler in like ninety one, ninety two, and then into the world title picture, even matches. He got way better stuff out of Yokozuna. He, I, there, there, great stuff with Diesel. Good stuff with the Undertaker. Following this, all the Owen stuff was really good. Bulldog, like, there's nothing. If you watch matches that he has with guys like Skinner and Virgil, when he's the the newly crowned WWF champion, that was sort of his gimmick when he won the title. Bret Hart is going to take on every challenge. So, like, on every episode of Superstars and, um. The Saturday night main event and everything Bret Hart was defending the title against just random Random guys This was bad Andrew This was bad Yeah uh, there's not a lot good here The only match of Bret's That I could say would approach This one as far as how bad it was You gotta go to the last one In WCW where Goldberg ends his career um, And I look I know I talk no, about you, no, Goldberg right. a lot on this show But It's one of those instances where you look at Brett in the mid nineties and there were points where they had no idea what to do with him. They put him in feuds with guys like Bob Backlund, 
with guys like Hakushi, which, by the way, would have been gangbusters 20 years later, but they had no idea what to do with a guy like that in 1994. You look at the matches he had with, who was the guy that stole, it, it was the current PCO who stole his ring jacket. Je, the was pirate, just, Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Yep. It was just one of those things where you look and you're going, this is the best they've got for this guy. DD, uh, and, Isaac Yankum. That was when they, they brought DDS in there too, yep. when he had the stuff going on with Lawler. Yeah. Yep. It's, you'll look at those and you're going, this is the best they've got for this guy. And it's a good thing that the internet wasn't really around at that point, because could you imagine what the response would have been if that happened 10 years later? My God, the internet wrestling community would have lost their freaking minds. I know you're right. Now, as far as, as far as this match goes, let me present an alternative hypothesis here. How much better would the match have been if it was a standard referee doing that? Backlund goes crazy after the match, attacks Brett, whatever, and Piper runs in for the save. That's all. That's How all. How much better would this match have been? It's still at least been good. At least a, a, a good, at least a bit. At least yes. a bit. It got over the top. You, it's exa- All you needed was the pop for Piper. You could have got him to raise Brett's hand after it anyways, them hug, and that's all. Boom. Yeah. Like, that's all you need. Brett was mad after the match. The chicken wing looked bad. It, King made a comment at one point during this match, too, about being a racist against people. And I think it was, I'm not sure if he was talking about Piper or Brett. And Vince kind of shushed him, like, or sort of like, oh, well, he cleared all that up. And I couldn't, I was trying to look it up. I couldn't quite figure it out. And there was something about this show, too. There are some cuts throughout the show, like some edits here and there, um, some quick edits that, if you're watching like older versions or not on Peacock, you might see things a little bit differently. Well, they made a couple of substantial edits late. They edited out Salt and Pepper's performance. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a little bit in the title match too. A couple things that they they seem like they edit out. So it's always weird what what makes what makes it and then what gets edited. Yeah, they, I mean, like there's there's the, not the really one, the, rhyme the or reason to it. Thing the racist thing with Piper that might have been a callback to WrestleMania six. With the whole bad news brown thing. Yeah, it could have. It could have. That could have been. And look, for as much as we talk about how, you know, you can't rewrite history, whatever. Nobody's losing any sleep over that match being lost to the archives. No. We uh, keep rolling along here. And Jim Ross tries to go talk to Bob Backlund. He says, I saw the light. Did you see the light? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nick Turturro still can't find Pamela Anderson. Um, but Todd Pettengill finds Diesel, who again has audio problems, and this just isn't much at all, you, you know, for a babyface heading into the main event. Now, here's the intro, and then we'll talk about the uh, the main. I'm, I'm calling it the main event. It's the world title match: Diesel versus Shawn Michaels. Sid is in his corner. So we have these celebrities. Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement, Timekeeper, Nick Torturo, NYPD Blues, the guest ring announcer. Then here comes Shawn Michaels with Sid, and Jenny McCarthy is on his arm. They couldn't find Pamela anywhere. So uh, Diesel comes next, and he comes out, and then he waves to the back, and Pamela Anderson joins him. So she's on his arm walking down the aisle. What, what What I've noticed the last couple of years, 
Diesel's entrance takes forever. He's like the Undertaker. He Nash walks down to that ring so slow with zero urgency whatsoever. No pace or hop step in his jump at all. He gets down there. And the dynamic is just hard, Andrew, because if you go through every other WrestleMania World Championship match, there's never really been something like this where you have the babyface champion who's the bigger guy and like the heavy favorite. And so it was it's a little bit weird, right? If let's go through all of the WrestleMania world title matches. WrestleMania 2, Hogan against the big guy. WrestleMania 3, Hogan against the big guy. WrestleMania 4 ends up being the tournament and Savage is in there. WrestleMania 5, the babyface is chasing the champion because Savage is the heel champ. So Hogan's chasing the title. That dynamic is fine. In WrestleMania 6, you have two legitimate uh, competitors, Hogan and Warrior. WrestleMania 7, you again have Hogan chasing. WrestleMania 8, you've got the babyface Savage. Chasing Ric Flair, WrestleMania 9 You've got the heel Who wins the title Chasing the babyface, Brett But then at the end, Hogan comes out again At WrestleMania 9 in the babyface And wins it again Thank you, Jason Beam and Danny Kovaloff For reviewing that show so I didn't have to So this is the first time That we've ever seen something like this In a match And and I think the, the match isn't as bad as it, it gets talked about being really bad. Like it's the match is fine. fine. It's just weird. It's fine. It, but that dynamic, I think, hurts it a little bit because Sean is about to become a baby face after this. And the crowd's not really sure what to do throughout some of this match. And, and I, I think that dynamic hurts. If Diesel was coming into this match and Sean was your champ and Diesel was the baby face chasing, it would have been fine if Diesel wins here. It's just a little strange because he's so much bigger than Sean when he has to sell. It's a little bit off, but it's not a bad match. I mean, they get 20 minutes out of this thing. We um we get started with, you know, big backdrop over the top and Diesel poses with uh with Pam. Um that's right before the bell even rings and then we get going. They're working at a quick pace early on in Sean's there, there's a once they go over the top, there's a photographer. Sean pushes the dude. Um, then Sean spits on uh spits on the guy. Diesel goes after him. Um, and then Sean's in charge for a moment. Diesel with the big elbow, he goes for a grill press. Sean uh, then for a suplex. Diesel counters it. He hits the suplex himself. He hits a big knee. Sean um uh, over the top goes to the floor. And Sean then pokes him in the eye and, and slides back under the ropes. They go for a sunset flip. Diesel's too big, too strong. HBK lands on the top rope, crotched on the top. Then Sean again gets pissed off at a photographer for the second time within the first like six, eight minutes of the match. Diesel goes for an elbow. Sean gets out of the way. Um, Sean hits a, a pretty cool looking splash. And there's a moment where he like almost. Catches himself on the neck when he skins the cat uh, Earlier on in the match Diesel Outside the ring Is starting to sell now And so Sean's in control for a while Um, Sean hits a bulldog off the middle Rope and we get lots Of Diesel selling I think that was one of my gripes at this point Andrew Just in the middle it's a little too slow For this Yeah 
there was that weird psychology that we talked about and you get Sean who is a fantastic worker, but wasn't quite fully cooked yet. You weren't getting the finished product that would have these fantastic matches in 96, 97, whatever. He just wasn't quite there yet. He was about 90% of the way there, but they were having him go toe to toe with a guy that had him by a foot and a hundred pounds. I know. And then obviously he's bumping like crazy for a couple of reasons. And, but and what's funny is yeah. I don't see the, 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 the storyline of Sean not selling at all for diesel as much when I watch it, because that's the thing about this match that apparently Sean, who was even one of Nash's best friends was pouty in this match and didn't want to, have like didn't want to sell and, and make Nash look great here. So I didn't see it that much. Like I I truly don't dislike the match all that much. I think it could it's have been fine, better. Yeah. The dynamic could have been different if it's not as cornball baby face of uh Diesel and maybe just a little bit more edge to him. Cause these guys do have a couple good matches and they have another good match um I think after this. Yeah, it was at Good Friends Better Enemies, I believe is the show. Yeah. 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 There were a couple of other moments that I just want to spotlight. Yeah, please. HBK gets a top row bulldog and he gets it for two, but Diesel sells it like he has no idea what he's doing. And he sort of flips as he's going down. And that brings to mind what happened with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty many years earlier with a jobber named Chad Austin who did a horrible sell of a rocker dropper, wound up breaking his neck and wound up getting a lot of money from Vince in a lawsuit. And it just, it was a little uncomfortable to watch because Diesel was not playing to his strengths in this particular match. No. And you had Sean who was doing a fine job. It's just, this isn't the match that they were supposed to have here. And you can tell I wasn't crazy about the visual pinfall where Sean gets the super kick. There's no ref. And Diesel is out absolutely cold until the ref comes in. Ultimately, you're kneecapping a face champion that way because he looks terrible. And you finally get Diesel hitting one of the worst jackknife power bombs I have ever seen to get the pin. And Sean, to his credit, didn't get hurt. I mean, if you look, Nash just drops the guy. And I don't know if that's because it was a 20 minute match and he was winded. He, I don't he, know if it the was next year just, he goes yeah. 16 plus with taker and he hits a great jackknife on the, on taker at about the, the 13 or 14 minute mark. So yeah, it, it was, it, this might've been where Sean was maybe not selling it or, but it could be the last five minutes of the match. I think the crowd starts to get into it and they start picking up. It was funny because the crowd during this match is chanting for Sid at one point. You get big Sid chants uh, in there. Um, that dude was just over. He was. <laughs> they, they tried because they were going 20. You know, they probably had about five or six mat, uh, moments in there where you're going for a front place lock, a sleeper. Um, then Diesel hit the snake eyes. Um, they're on the floor. And then Earl tries to stop Sid from getting involved. But Vince says that Earl hurts his ankle. We don't really see it, but they talk about how Earl can barely move and barely get around. Sean hits the super kick, and Diesel's laying there for, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds before Sid picks up Earl and throws him back in the ring. 
And it's just a two count there uh, Sid takes off the top turnbuckle Exposing the steel um, Diesel hits a suplex Both guys are out um, Sean goes for the cover It's just two So th- from about the moment where they did Have the Earl ankle spot It did pick up And the intensity picked up And the crowd started getting into it Because they could feel maybe shenanigans were going on Or something weird was going to happen um, But they end up messing up that spot Because once they do a slingshot, Shawn Michaels doesn't Wrong even hit turnbuckle. hit the the exposed turnbuckle. He he doesn't make it far enough. So and like that's those, a weird mistake for Shawn to make. I know because that's a that that's on him, right? Like that's a Shawn thing. He could have just sold it a little bit better, left a little bit farther. Um, Diesel gets the big boot, baby face, you know, pop from the crowd, and then um, as Andrew mentioned, a lackluster jackknife powerbomb that he hits. For the win 20 and a half minutes here We get shots of Pam and Jenny Smiling And then they both join Diesel in the ring For the celebration He has uh, each of them on one arm One line before we move on Because I can't let this go unnoticed With what we said about Pamela Anderson earlier Apparently she had just gotten out of her first marriage At this point I think it was to somebody that was on Baywatch with her don't ask me how I know that and never remember why I went into the kitchen. Um, but um, she comes down and Jerry Lawler has a line that at the time was hilarious. And 28 years later, with everything we know, stinks to high heaven. He goes, I knew the marriage wouldn't last when I saw the figures on top of the wedding cake. They were lawyers. Man, does that not age well? Eek. Eek. As uh. We get to our main event They first head back to the locker room And Sid is just screaming um, for, uh, Actually first Jim Ross tries to talk to both Sean and Sid And, and Sid says things aren't done um, Screaming about that Then they go back to the locker room They show the footage where Sean had Diesel pinned And the ref wasn't there to count the pinfall Sid's screaming And he did make a good point He said in the World Series, in the NBA Finals, the Super Bowl, there's always more than one referee. But this title match, there's only one referee out there. Hey, good point. From He's not wrong. From Sid. No, he's not. And uh, the next night, Sid would turn on Shawn Michaels. On uh, Monday Night Raw, and Shawn will become a babyface following that. So they cut out the video package on, on Peacock. The Lawrence Taylor, Bam Bam Bigelow, which had like a press conference and everything. So that's... Cut off and we get the main event First up the introductions for the Million dollar corporation King Kong Bundy Tatanka Nikolai Volkov <laughs> That just Terrible <laughs> terrible It was wretched terrible Outfit comma IRS Ted DiBiase Salt and pepper performed That also got cut out um, And then we get The all pros Ken Norton Jr Chris Spielman Ricky Jackson Carl Banks Steve McMichael and Reggie White, couple Hall of Famers, all really legit players. And before the match, all the pro, uh, all the football players are in the ring. The wrestlers get up on the apron, and the NFL guys knock them down. It was fun. This reminded me of the Battle Royal back at Mania Two, where everybody just seemed into it. And when you're getting the celebrity involvement, Andrew. It will only go as far as they want it to go. It won't right. be good or great if they don't embrace it. Yeah, and again, half the battle is just acting like they wanted to be there. And 
for one thing they did for another while there are times in wwf's history where they've gotten quote-unquote celebrity involvement and you could tell they were reaching these were legitimate nfl stars absolutely these are not b or c listers these are a listers absolutely yeah and that was really cool and ultimately you get that big fight energy right before the match and that's something that was lacking in a lot of WWF programming in the mid 90s and all night yeah all night on this show it was really cool and then you add in the fact that they start really hot and Lawrence Taylor does it, it's a basic thing but there are some things that wrestlers do that don't follow this he doesn't try to do anything he can't do. He realizes that he knows how to do a really convincing forearm. So he keeps going back to the forearms and shocker. It works. Bam Bam knows how to sell for all of this because he's a pro and the crowd's eating all of it up. It's a really well-structured match. And that's a credit to everybody involved. It, It felt like a Paul Heyman booked match because they didn't have LT do anything too much that was over his head that would have made him look weak or made him look bad. Right. It was all simple stuff that you knew he would execute. That's fine. Let's go back to it. Let's not try to make this guy out to be the best wrestler in the world. He's a tough guy that's here for a fight, but he's athletic. Um, Bam Bam's taking him a little bit light. That was the story that they're telling throughout this match. And it, and it was good. It was good. Um, we have uh, right off the bat, we get a, a big Slap and then a forearm from LT. He hits a clothesline that Bam Bam did a great job, like leaping back on this clothesline. And he was mad outside, acting all frustrated. Um, hip lock and then uh, uh, LT uh, jumps over the top with a push. And Bam Bam gets in control and LT um, is selling a little bit. We get a big body slam. Bam Bam goes for the headbutt that he misses it. And you get lots of bells and whistles with the guys outside, which is. Something you pointed out that they would do in some of the WCW matches when they would bring in the the athletes and and it would work out well when they would have the horsemen or sometimes NWO or all these guys going on because it makes the match a little bit more exciting. You can't do it too too much, but I thought it was well done here with with the use of you know the guys in the corner and the guys outside and and now things start to slow down a little bit. Uh, Bam Bam goes for a Boston Crab. LT uh, tries to fight through um, Bam Bam Just continues to work on um, LT but we keep getting those Forearms and keep little flurries From LT and then he Hits a, a suplex which was cool And especially on a big guy like uh, like Bam Bam who was 350-ish And then he's selling a knee Injury and um, uh, Bam Bam actually Hits or excuse me So as LT is in a little bit of control Bam Bam um, turns it around and he hits his awesome moonsault. But when he hits the moonsault, he has that knee injury. And so he has to sell it. And now it gives LT a little bit of a hope spot to get back in the match. Um, it's a gut wrench suplex. So shout out there. It was sort of a weird looking suplex. Vince said it was a jackknife. It definitely wasn't a jackknife. Like he didn't get him up for a, for a jackknife there. Um, but it was still solid. And then Bam Bam back in control He hits a headbutt But LT kicks out A lot of folks thought that was it uh, LT powers back up some forearms A couple shoulder blocks um, Two big forearms 
Bam Bam starting to uh, to get stunned. He's a little wobbly. LT goes up to the middle rope, hits him with a nice jumping forearm, hits him right on the chin. This thing goes about eleven minutes and forty five seconds, Andrew, and it was it was good. Crowd popped, got everything it needed. You didn't need this thing to go fifteen or plus. LT did not have much more in him as far as wrestling ring shape. You know, he, I don't think he could have gone more than a few minutes here. Bam Bam did a great job. Shout out to him. This was the biggest night of his career, and he was on a main stage, and he looked like the imposing heel. He kept LT safe in here. He did everything he he was supposed to do. So this this was the main high spot on a card that wasn't very good top to bottom. But it's just not a WrestleMania main event. That's the problem. It's a WrestleMania match. This was this is a WrestleMania match. Any year on any show, it would hold up fine. As a WrestleMania match, bringing in a celebrity, it's just not one that you have as your main event, and that was no. what's what's even when you end on a on a oh positive, it still doesn't feel like what happens when your babyface wins the title at WrestleMania or that big big moment that you're supposed to have with your hottest superstar on your biggest show or the night where you create a monster heel. We just didn't we didn't get that here. In any way shape or form All the way down the card No we didn't Now this match if you have not seen it It is well worth your time It is a reasonably short match You get Again as I've mentioned It's that big fight feel That wasn't common in the mid 1990s Up until WCW Had all the engines going And Vince really needed to Find something to recreate the magic This was really cool You get to see Lawrence Taylor in this sort of environment and he more than adapted to it. He could have just as easily mailed it in for the paycheck and it wouldn't have been affected by his in-ring performance because everyone had already bought the show. But you get a guy that tried. He busted his butt and you get a guy in Bam Bam who realized that this was probably going to be the biggest night of his career and showed up and performed admirably. It's just a shame there wasn't much more for Bam Bam to do in WWF at that point. He would wind up ultimately getting cut a couple of years later. He went to ECW, was part of a historic event there when he wrestled Taz and they both went through the ring. Before everybody did that, they were the first to really do that. He went to WCW, was part of the Jersey Triad with Diamond Dallas Page and Canyon. Still had some mileage left at that point, but this was as good as it got for him. He busted his butt to make LT put him over and do his job. And as I mentioned, that saves this from being a bottom three WrestleMania. The last two matches in particular were at least decent. And in this case, you got a lot of fun out of it, too. Is it a good WrestleMania? Absolutely not. Are there worse WrestleManias? Yes. So we have made it through WrestleMania 1 through 14 now as we head closer and closer to WrestleMania 2023. If you're a fan of any of those WrestleManias, head back in time on the old wrestling rewatch. I'm going to continue to post all of them on social media over the next few weeks. I've already uh, reminded everyone of the, the first four, and I'll continue on a big thread. So they'll all be on a thread um, we can have them all uh, all there to to reference. So Andrew, where we'll, where we'll head next, we need to get to 15, and uh, WrestleMania 15 
will be in a totally different place than we are right now. Uh, WrestleMania 15, we head to 1999, and WrestleMania 15 is a time when the company is a lot hotter than they were in 1995. Is this the uh, the, the main event of that? That's Austin and Rock, right? Yeah. And you wind up with, yeah. yeah that's the first There's a Austin- lot going on. There is. There's a heck of a lot going on. It's not a fantastic WrestleMania, but you could see a lot of positive things moving forward. Um, in fact, it's one of those manias that have like a lot of shortish matches. You have the Taker Boss Man match, which is terrible. That Hell in a Cell match. Um, Shane O'Mac. We get Butterbean. We get to see Butterbean. We do. We get to see Butterbean. Um, Shane O'Mac is flying around in that X Pac match, though. That that's actually pretty good. Um, Kane Triple H. And uh, Mankind and Big Show are on there We get to talk Brawl for All WrestleMania 15 1999 That's where we'll head next On the old Wrestling Rewatch So Andrew you and I are recording this On uh, the last day of February As we're getting ready to turn the calendar To March You just came back from Hawaii And I know you're going to be heading soon what in like a week, week and a half to Vegas? It's always around uh, March Madness time, right? Two weeks from tomorrow. Not like I'm counting down. There you go. So uh, we'll uh, we'll be hearing from you and seeing you there in Vegas with your pops, betting on some of those uh, first round NCAA basketball games in just a couple weeks. And this is a really fun horse racing weekend coming up. Isn't it great when the the tracks draw the races just a couple days early too. It makes the content uh, creators like us and us handicappers our lives so much easier. We already have two on Tuesday. We already have entries out for Saturday golf stream Saturday, Santa Anita. Both of them have great cards coming up. What kind of stuff can we expect from you uh, moving forward, buddy? I actually had your podcast partner on uh, on with me last week. We got to razz you a little bit while you weren't there to defend yourself. So that's what I love doing that. You're not there to fight back, you know. Okay, so now I'm going to need to go back and I'm going to need to arm myself. Wonderful. I appreciate the insight on that. Um, uh, There's a lot of things that are going on. Uh, I'm actually starting up my Derby Bubble series over on the Pollock Reports website. The first entry in that was two weeks ago. Lots has changed since then with a couple of big Derby preps and also former Bob Baffert trainees eligible to earn Derby points now. So I've got a formulate this week's list after i get done here um drinking champagne over on the on the wrong lead network you get to see me and somebody that will undoubtedly pay for his sins at a future date uh you get to see that that'll be a lot of fun um and yeah vegas in a couple of weeks is going to be great uh starting to get back into the college basketball betting side of things uh we're recording this on tuesday february 28th and unfortunately san diego state collapsed late did not score for the last, let's see, um, four minutes and 48 seconds of the game. They went from being up 60 to 52 at Boise State, getting two and a half points to losing 66 to 60. And that prevented me from a 3-0 and night on the picks I gave out on my Twitter at Andrew Champagne. So going to be doing that two or three games a day, next couple of weeks, getting myself back into the swing of things before I go into the desert for the annual trip. It's a lot of fun, lots going on. And you're right. Just being able to see those past performances out a couple of days early, being able to formulate wagering strategies and seeing how you think things are going to unfold, being able to watch replays, that sort of thing. It's invaluable for the horse player and good on the people that do that for making sure that that environment exists. 
Andrew, we'll be following along with your work uh, and uh, tell uh, Josh hello. Appreciate him helping us out last week. And yeah, all, all I told him was that uh, whoever or however much he's getting paid for putting up with you all the time, we better double it. We better double it. I think that was the, basically the gist of uh, of what it was. So uh, I love you, buddy. You know, oh, oh, yes. always. I love you too. <laughs> but uh, in the words of the great Chris Jericho, he just made the list. Exactly. And that's the note we will end on. We'll be back again soon in the coming days and weeks with WrestleMania. 15 as we have completed WrestleMania's 1 through 14 on uh, the old wrestling rewatch, a show that just began because all the sports canceled. Back during the pandemic, there was nothing going on. A lot of us weren't even working very much, so we wanted to talk about some old wrestling shows with our friends, and it was a great way to, uh, to produce some content, and we've kept it going all the way through, coming up on 90 episodes of this. A big thank you to Andrew Champagne, Darren, who's helped us out with so many of them, and uh, we'll be talking WrestleMania 15 next time you hear us on the Old Wrestling Rewatch. And that's going to do it for this episode, a wrestling-heavy episode, as we put all the focus on the horse racing and the NBA um, on our earlier episodes. So if you want more of that for the weekend, just tune in and check out your uh, your feeds. They will be there in the, the previous podcast. Thanks to Andrew Champagne. Thanks to Chad Cooper for helping us out. And we'll be back next week with Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, Mando has started. So we'll have Season 3 episode recaps coming for you. We'll have an Ant-Man uh, recap coming up soon on the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania with Tim Kelly. And we'll continue on with the big racing coverage into the world of basketball. March Madness coming soon. So much right here on That's What G Said. Fighting and for